Yo, welcome to the So So Scrutiny podcast. I'm your host, Corey Stocks, and I have my friend here, Robert Maine. I forgot the fucking name. Did you really? Or was I did. Oh, but that's nice really save. Did. You're a poet and you don't know it. That's pretty good, man. Luckily, my name can rhyme with a bunch of things. Yeah, that, that was... That was Bush League of me, I must say. Pop quiz, right? Um, yeah. To finally be able to do this. Yeah. I know, it's good. We're back in the office. and No, the So So Scrutiny studio. Yeah, the studio. Oh, Sorry. Well, it, professionals here, Corey. Come on. Okay. It is the studio. I've got to convince these fans that we're professionals somehow. Um, I know this song. Phoenix? Close. Similar vein. <sighs> yeah, it's not digital enough to be Phoenix. I'll like, give you a hint. Yeah. Four words. Thank you. That's what I was going for. Four words. Okay. And one of them is that. Uh, thank you. Uh, two door cinema club. Yes, two door cinema. Can think of the last, the club part. Dude, like I two love cin- two. Uh, no, I still can't think of it. I think in house. Yeah, I, lo- I love. Yeah, these guys this are dope. Band. They're so good. Yeah, they're very. His his voice kind of reminds me of Phoenix. Yeah, they're jammy. They're dance dancey. Play them at the club. Hey Corey, while we're listening to this sweet jam, what are we doing today? All right, so today we are actually going to be doing a couple of things. Sorry, I can't hear you. What? Oh my gosh, you're jamming out, man. Go ahead. What are we doing? Jamming with the bit. No, we're not going to get off track. Sorry. Um, we are going to talk about a movie called I'm Thinking of ending things i think that's the title it's a new netflix considering it after i watched it but yeah (laughs) it's a it's a uh, netflix original um and then we are going to be talking about top three mindfuck movies this was a mindfuck yeah and i felt like we could continue with that tradition while we talk yeah i mean the movies I, i have in mind definitely were crossing my mind when i was whoa hot yep you took a big drink. <laughs> that was a big drink. Yeah, I like burned my lip right now. What's uh, uh before we get into our unofficial sponsors that we're drink drinking, um and then yeah, so we're doing that movie top three, and then at the end of the second half of the show, I went up to LA and interviewed my first mentor in the film industry, DJ Bronner. He's the uh, CEO founder. I don't know what other CEO founder director of uh, Tough Contender. They do. Uh, uh, commercials and some music videos um, but I dive deep with him and his story and how I met him and kind of ask him some some film industry questions and it was a great conversation and can't wait to have him back on we already talked about uh, having him back on so uh, yeah and we're gonna have you back we're gonna have you with Cor- Corey we're gonna have you come this time because unfortunately Corey's working in school and it was the middle of the day and it yeah. just didn't work out the kiddos need me, so... Yes, I, I think this podcast is more important, but whatever. <laughs> uh, do you want to mention what you're drinking? I don't know. Yeah. yeah what are you drinking? I just burned my lips <laughs> on mm, a delicious Puka's after-dinner tea mm. that I got. It's organic tea I got from uh, Sprouts. Um, we've been trying to drink a lot of, you know, herbal... Does Sprouts sell... Organic tea, Does uh, Sprouts sell anything not organic? Yeah. They sell candy, like Skittles? Yeah, they have, oh. Well, no, they don't have any of that. Oh, like, but they have their own, like, kind of brands of that, and they're delicious. They're not organic, though. Mm. Um, so this has fennel and ginger, and it tastes kind of like licorice and a little bit of orange. Um, mm. It's a delicious herbal tea. It is a really good after-dinner tea. I think it's pronounced puka. P-U-K-K-A. And this is on the poo. Poo. Puka. 
or pucka. Maybe it's supposed to be like a hockey tea pucka. <laughs> no, that's kind of lame. But yes, does that have caffeine in it? Uh, nope. Oh, okay. Caffeine oh. free, natural. I guess that makes sense. After dinner, you don't yeah. want that. But it's delicious. What are you drinking? I'm drinking some Bones. Unofficial, very unofficial sponsor. But I have a little bit of a problem with them. I'm going to get into that in a second. Uh-oh. But I am drinking uh, probably my... F- yeah, I, I, this is probably my favorite flavor from them. It's the strawberry cheesecake short... Che- cheesecake. Strawberry cheesecake flavor. It's just... It's sweet without being... Overburdened. Not sugar sweet. Yeah. It's just the flavor of sweet. And I uh, got it over ice. I got a new pack. Got a five new flavors. I like, I like their multi-pack that you can go... It's not the full big bag of it that, that that goes for so long i like the little ones that i can go through a little bit yeah you know, and, and rotate the flavors i got strawberry cheesecake uh caramel apple which is a new one which is pretty you like mix them no no not yet oh, but, okay, but i will that's it. i have i have considered it uh i got electric unicorn again i've had that one which is like the fruity pebbles one which is delicious um uh uh the jelly it's like a raspberry jelly donut flavored it's the one of the new ones and then um what was the last one Did you see the oh, other new one raspberry raspberry chocolate raspberry that one there's one that yet, but it's there's awesome. one i was really interested in and it's the salted pretzel i saw that i don't i, don't, I like pretzel so i know that sounds weird though i mean the german i haven't Deutsch, had a, I haven't had a bad flavor other than the highly voltage one that has the extra caffeine but i understand because it's got crazy amounts of caffeine in it but this is my thing with bones every other pack i've gotten by it from them has come in this really cool box oh this time they stuffed all the little things into like a, a single postal bag, service yeah. envelope thing a bubble wrap thing and it just didn't have the same effect yeah yeah you, it's you fun didn't to have, have that the excited, box the box like... is nice and yeah the presentation it just seemed lazy so come on Bones, step it up. I can, I can say I can say that you being our unofficial sponsor. If you are our official sponsor, I wouldn't say shit. So sponsor us, and then I won't I won't talk shit on the company. How about coffee, that? Coffee, coffee, right? right. Cheers. Back back in the studio. Cheers, definitely. We are back in the studio, which which reminds me, I apologize for any yeah. uh, noise going on. We it is hotter than. My watch says it's 83. It definitely, it's not 83. It's got to be in the 90s. It's yeah. really hot. I think um, everyone around the country is feeling the heat, so we have to have these fans on, guys. Sorry. AC on, a little AC and yeah. a little bit of fan. fan. Our, our producer, Navi, is uh, Navi? Navi? Navi. She's, she's feeling it, too, man. The cats are definitely just like... She's just sprawled out on the carpet right now. Yeah. Um... What else you been up to? Just school? School, teaching. It's really cool. Um, I've had a really good turnout, and I've had probably the most active engagement I've had. And I, that, like, I'm talking about like even being in school. Um, I feel like the less distracted mm-hmm. they are, the in, the more appreciative they are, and they don't feel they feel safe. Like they, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like nobody's looking at them, and um. I was reading a little bit about some teachers saying that it's been helpful because they don't have to worry about speaking up because they're like behind a camera. They feel a little bit empowered on like when they talk out in class, you know, being called on yeah, isn't so bad. It might be good for the classroom, but socially, I don't know that's going to be Yeah, good. definitely. Long After term. a while, for sure. But yeah. it's been like for having to be on. <laughs> hey, 
I, I couldn't tell if Be- she was stuck on the carpet or freaking no, out. No, she's so. scratching. I guess she doesn't um, like this segment. Yeah, but um, they're, they're just... Uh, <laughs> just doesn't like this segment uh yeah they're 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 doing well and we're you know we have the uh we have the advantage of being able to still teach luckily Mm -hmm. because each of them have a chromebook so nice that kind of helps i would have liked a chromebook when i was in school that and i've been playing a lot of tony hawk we're gonna we're gonna do that we're talking about doing it today but it's just too hot i'll come over during this week and do a mini suit because there's a that documentary yeah watch and side note on that i ordered a skateboard and pads really i'm gonna start skating again i nice. miss it I used to do it a lot i i could roll around but i just i i knew i just wasn't good love i appreciate skateboarding i love yeah. people that can did you speaking of tony Hawk, did you see that footage of him on the half pipe doing like a 720 with a glass of milk yeah and he doesn't spill and a he drop drinks. he <laughs> fucking rules it. he's so awesome did tony you see Hawks. the kid who did a, uh, I think a 1080, right? No, one of the, a oh. kid that beat his record and did a 1080. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I another video though I saw recently, Tony the Hawk. Girl. Yeah, it's this huge fucking ramp, and she's eight maybe, and she, you can tell she's already rips. If she's that, she's, yeah. If she's if they're, Tony Hawk is putting her up there, then they know she could probably do it, and she did it, man. She didn't land it, but she cleared it and oh no she did well, she, second time second she time landed right. yeah that's yeah. right and um, she did like a move when she yeah. landed it woof so tony hawk's awesome he should run for president i vote he's, for tony he, hawk. Yeah. he's so chill <laughs> <laughs> he is he's the chillest have you seen him do the um we should we should just mention all this when we talk about the episode yeah but, let's yeah i'll save it we can save it save it for the next podcast let's uh i haven't been doing much um i'm trying to think i'm building a puzzle i was telling you earlier it's this cool like 3d puzzle thing um You've probably seen him on Facebook. That's how I found it. It's uh, called Paper Craft, I think. And it's a what? What is it? It's a giraffe. Nice. Because my grandma loves giraffes. And then I also got a um, um, a mask. Like the thing I got for Nana is just a thing you can just set on your table. But then they also make these like paper mask 3D things, and it's a ram head oh, that's that I'm super gonna build. Cool. Yeah, it's it's a goat head, but it looks like a ram. We're just gonna say it's a ram. Um, yeah, Paper Craft World. Not our official sponsor to them. They're cool. The, the cool thing about them is, I saw their ads and the and the bunch of they had like lions and elephants and alligators and lemurs and all these weird things. I was like, oh, they gotta have giraffe. So I go on their site, no giraffe. I'm like, what the fuck? And so I comment on their Facebook post like, hey, where are the giraffes at? And they messaged me back like, hey, coming soon, don't worry about it. And then like a month later, they went back that that same post and replied to me like, here's the, here's it, it's coming out, here's the photo. And they like sent me like this behind the scenes photo of it coming out. And I was like, That's wow, so cool. They're really man. reaching out. And then when it came out, they posted it on again, like it's officially out, Robert, go check it out. And I was like, wow, that's really good customer service. Yeah, that's that's like <laughs> yeah. ultra good customer yeah. service. It's, I'll, I'll give them this, it, it's, it's a lot harder than it looked. It, you, I didn't realize you had to use like glue. I'm using yeah. like school glue to do the the each piece that you put together. But it's kind of like a puzzle. It's like a model meets a puzzle. So yeah, it's kind of fun. Watching some baseball. Speaking of baseball, just a little baseball. Angels swept the uh, cheating Astros this weekend. Those cheating so. ass Astros. Astros. Yeah, like the Angel commentators kept calling them the Strows. And I was like, no, call them the asses. Like <laughs> the asses. Don't call them the Strows. The Strows. <laughs> Yeah, but they're not doing much. 
Still not work. Still looking for work. It's tough out there. If anyone's got a film job they need, hit me up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's definitely, you know, still difficult. Yeah. But it's going to get better. Don't worry. It will. Maybe we'll get paid for this podcast someday. That would be nice. It would be great. Let's, uh, let's get into our review. Let's see if I can find some music for it. Absolutely. Um, start it off. Let's set it up a little. You set it up. Who yeah, directed so, everything? So uh, I have to look at the name again because kind of, I'm thinking of ending things. Yep. Um, it is a film by written by Charlie Kaufman. I believe directed by him as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and... <laughs> I, I really this this is gonna be really hard to do without spoilers. So I think what I'm gonna do is it really though. I mean, yes. It's not like Avengers, um, like spoilers. This movie is so over the all over the place that I think people are gonna forget what we even say. Like probably. I mean, yeah. I mean. So tiptoe around it. It's a psychological thriller. Yeah, this thing's Um, all over the place. It's hard. And if you if you've seen movies like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Charlie Kaufman also wrote that. Um, He did those other famous ones. Yeah, and it it, very much like all of his other movies. um, They're very twisty, turny, psychological, mess with your head. And this one was like, I I had no idea what was going on at first. I was like. What is this like half hour driving scene? Like, is it ever gonna change or is it gonna be like buried where it's like one scene? Yeah, uh, I've seen parts of it, but I I haven't seen the whole thing. The movie with um, Bane, Tom Hardy, where the whole movie is just him in a car. You seen that? I haven't seen it. I'll I'll look up that one too. I'm trying to look up. But it it reminded me of that because I've seen like. Like I said, not the whole thing, but I've seen scenes, and it's just, yeah, it's just, it, it seems boring, and I guess it could be, but the dialogue is so snappy, and, like, the like the shots inside, the, within the car is You're talking creative, about, it's not Are just, you talking about a... Both. This, yeah. Both. Like, it's hard to, it's really hard to keep someone entertained while just sitting in a car, you know what I mean? There, now, this movie is, I can kind of give you the shell of it, Lock. the exterior. That's what it's called, the movie, Tom Hardy, Lock. Oh, I gotta check that out. Yeah, check it out. Um, Sorry, continue. The shell of it is that the exterior would have you believe that it's about um, a woman who has just met a guy and just started dating him, and they're both educated. um, And the whole first, like, 30 minutes of the movie is them driving in a car to meet his parents. Like, they've been dating for, like, seven weeks. He's taking them out to the farm. They're taking her out to the farm to meet them. And they start kind of, like, just musing and talking. Like, kind of, like, kind of, like, using literary device and, like, metaphor to kind of describe life. It's really interesting. And the whole time that this is happening, in her mind, she's like, I'm I'm thinking of ending things. Like I don't Yeah, she says it so many she, times. It'd be a good drinking game to watch this again yeah, and drink every time she says it. For sure. And she's thinking in her head, like, I don't I don't it's think it's the first thing last. of the it's first line of the movie. They, yeah. It's the first thing she says. And she's like, I don't I don't I really don't see this going anywhere. Like I don't know why I don't just get it over with now and like yeah. and now I'm meeting his parents and this is supposed to be a big step. And um then it, which we can talk about in a little bit, then it just like spirals. Speaking of her boyfriend, um, 
Jesse, Jesse Plemons. Plemons. Did you mention him? Sorry, he's a great. He's, Breaking Bad. He's yeah. the, he's the new Matt Damon because he looks. You know what? The other thing, he reminds me of you. There are some scenes where it's like his face was close up and he's got the beard. <laughs> well, you don't have the beard anymore, but when you do have it, I was like, that looks like fucking Corey. And it's like kind of his mannerisms when yeah. he was actually nice. Like, yeah, he's kind of an asshole in this. But when he's nice, I was like, that looks almost like Corey. It's kind he's, of an asshole in, je- in everything he's in. OK, well, that's yeah. Yeah. Oh, hit, hit, not just his character. I mean, the actor himself. Yeah, a little bit. And. Well, actually, I don't know about him being a jerk, but yeah, yeah. his characters are jerks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, continue. Sorry. But anyway, it spirals out of control once they get to the parents' house, and we deal with some things we'll talk about in a little bit. Maybe then we can kind of get into the spoilers, because I really want to, like... I want to hear your take I want to... I want my... Yeah, let's, let's set so, it up a little bit, do our screen scale, and then we'll spoil it up, because you being the literature man, and yeah. I... I'm curious because I well, have the, some ideas too. So to begin with, yeah, I, I I really thought the writing for this movie was top notch, like beautifully written. You could tell he all of both of his. I've seen Eternal Sunshine. And the other this one was uh, being John Malkovich. I haven't seen that one. Oh, dude, you gotta, but, gotta see that one. But like the the speech and the dialogue like kept me go, like it's very poetic, very oh, yeah. well like feels like a play like a drama or something on and stage it's it's self-aware too there's some moments where they're like because it's obviously one voice coming out of these two people i think it's charlie kaufman kind of just no offense charlie but jizzing all over his screenplay and writing <laughs> his, but it's beautiful clever snappy writing and but then there's moments where he like it's meta where he kind of calls out what they're talking about yeah. and how intellectual they're trying to be and and just yeah it's it's very it it goes one way and then just completely flips yeah. up for a second and then goes back again and there's so many layers to it oh like the house being at the house when they're on the road when they go to the ice cream shop is one of my favorite scenes just like yeah. how creepy I, and uh, the know? other thing is listeners if you don't know what we're talking about just watch the trailer yeah the trailer really it's it's like it, it's a good representation of what you're going to expect in the movie and i was ex- waiting for that ice cream scene because i remember seeing that stand and i thought it looked so cool and it takes a long time for them it to does, get there yeah um but it plays a pretty big role like near the end yeah well, not big it's just like a stepping stone i feel like but but the um, if you have some other deep things I'm not thinking about though, the aesthetics though they were just mm-hmm. they were done so well. The, like na- my nana, who I live with, uh, she really connected with the woman when she was talking about always having to say yes and never really having a chance to say no. And a woman, you know, yes leads to another yes. The feminist, yeah, thing. And she's like that really hit home with me. I was like, oh. It, I, I know I remember that part but it didn't you know hit resonate, yeah. resonate that was the word I was looking for thank you um, but I think the writing was great the aesthetics yeah. were beautiful like the way it was filmed and shot I, I, I'm curious what this great. screenplay looks like if it's written the way it was edited or written a different way and then they went in and edited it because there's these yeah. weird edits out of nowhere and people change ages and complete characters and like there was my grandma didn't even mention my nana i never say grandma nana didn't even uh, see this but when they a little bit spoiler when they leave the house obviously they go to the ice cream place 
during that scene she's doing a monologue and, and she it changes and into it, it's that woman from the movie that the guy was yeah. watching that's like a it was like it's super Whoa. cool and it's so quick and then they cut back to like a frontal view and, and it goes back to this girl again and i i told her did you even see that she's like no what are you talking about i was like it's, it's there i'm telling you nuts yeah. yeah and um so i'm a bit biased to like weird movies I like i just like lighthouse weird ass movie same thing really meta like what does it all mean type movie um super metaphorical yeah and the direction was great it was an original concept like i haven't seen much done like this like that well the only the the movie that it, um, I don't and I still don't think you've seen it either. Mother with the exclamation mark. You did see we it. We saw that, yeah. I think good good uh, connection. We made re- that too. Kind of reminded me of that because it's a lot in, a lot in the house and it's all over the place, filmed differently, but it had t- notes and tones of that movie, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, overall, that's at the screen scale. What you got? Overall, I gave it an eighty. Um, I really really <laughs> like this movie. I thought. And I'm going to watch it again. I know I will because yeah. I want to pick it apart. Yeah, I want to watch it again because we both know we're going to miss. We're going to see things that we didn't now knowing what the story is. And yeah. 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 I'm sure there's all these like weird little art things in the background. This. OK. This is weird. This is the soundtrack to the movie. But I don't remember any of it, though. Yeah. This is all like pop songs. This is weird. Yeah, the movie playlist of music from the from and inspired by the film. I'm thinking of any things. It's just interesting. <laughs> so I don't remember. I this. remember any of these songs though. That's cool. Whatever. Maybe it's just a playlist that Daniel Coffin made. Yeah, or Charlie Coffin or it's, Jesse Plemons. It's Charlie, right? Because I know a Daniel. I've worked with a Daniel Charlie Coffin. Coffin yeah. I've worked with a Daniel Coffin. He's a director or a yeah director. Um. Yeah. Oh, so I gave it a uh, 78. Um, I, I I thought I was my score was gonna be higher when I it totaled up. I, I would have gave it like an 80. Like yeah. My gut feeling would be like an high 80s. But like I said, like close to 90. Just the way 78 is still a really good my, score. My thing is like, if a director can give you a feeling, even if you don't like that feeling, oh, he won. And and then if he can do it masterfully, I don't know. By the end of this, like, you feel really icky. Like, yeah. it's a pretty icky feeling at the it's end. It's not as icky as, like, watching, like, Schindler's, Schindler's List. True, like, yeah. I, I'm not going to go back and watch that movie again. Yeah. Unless I have to. But this one, I am I will go back and watch it again. Um, yeah, dedication to the roles. I think she... Oh, yeah. It's just kind of early into award season. Like, but I could maybe see her at least being in the conversation. I don't know about him, but... Um, Tony Collette was great too, the mom, and then oh the, my gosh, yeah. the dad. Je- Jesse Buckley is the girl. Jesse Plemons is the the another yeah. guy. Tony oh, Collette, funny. and then David Thewlis, which is uh, Lupin from the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, he was pretty great too. You I loved could his barely character. recognize him. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, I think we should get into spoilers because I I got some things. Yeah. To say. So, so spoilers. Anyone spoilers. Want? Just fast forward like a few minutes. Yeah. One, okay, before you get into your thing, I want to pitch this to you. Um, to me, this felt like when you, w- after I watched it or after certain scenes, um, it felt like after you wake up and you have that moment where you are remembering your dream and it slowly fades away and you're trying to remember, wh- wait, what, wh- where was I? I? I was where? And and when you're in the moment of the dream, it, oh, it although it might 
seem weird when you wake up and go, why was I there? Why was I doing that? In the moment, you're like, oh, it makes sense. And for her, it was these weird moments where it, she felt like this is weird, but no, I, sh I need to go in this room or I need to do have dinner or whatever. And, um, I think the overall, that being said, I think regardless of all the little tiny metaphors and the little tiny stories, I think what the entire story is, because right from the beginning, you see the janitor, the old janitor, and he's starting his day. And yeah. by the end of it, we're ending his day. So I think the old man is definitely Jesse, or what's his name? Jake, right? Is it Jake? Jake, yeah. Um, he's definitely Jake. And I think throughout his day, he's remembering this time when he was younger, when he took this woman to meet his parents but he's fucked up in the brain and we're seeing what his mind is perceiving that interaction to be through the eyes of her because he's also intellectual he throws some pretty crazy stuff and so he's he can talk like her through you know something it's very yeah i don't know if the word meta it's not meta it's it's just diluted and through i don't know but does that make sense yeah because by the end of it she, I don't know. I have to, in the, what was the last frame? I was trying to remember what, like, the last thing we see. The last thing I remember is him walking down the hallway with the him naked and the pig, right? I think that's it. No, the car, the the car being covered with snow. Remember that the entire car is covered. Oh, and then everything else is green. And then it just, yeah, it that's just right. ends. What does that mean? So you want to hear... Yeah, I mean, does that make sense? Is that... Yeah, kind it's of actually quite close. Hit me. At least... Well, I think that's the other... Before, I think the other crazy thing is this... Although there probably is a right answer. I read a quick inner article from Daniel Kaufman. Char Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. Yeah, I did it again. Um, being interviewed and asking what it means. And he thinks... He says that... There, yeah, there's definitely a thing he wants, but it, it's up to... Uh, What's the word? Oh, Interpretation, yeah, for sure. To anybody, and that's what he was trying to achieve. And I think that's what he did. I, my, like like I said, Nana had this feeling of this woman thing that I can't relate to, but then I had these other things of the guy and trying to take, you know, I could relate to taking my girlfriend to meet my parents for the yeah. first time or vice versa. So I, I think throughout this movie, people of different ages and stuff can relate to certain parts. Not, oh, yeah. Not, maybe not overall. Sure. Maybe overall, I think, mean, of the what life could be and and what life was and I don't know it's it's very heady so hit me I'm done alright I got it all out so to me give it to me this movie is this song is stupid once your again. entire life flashing before your eyes as you die and oh. the guy is actually the girl too the janitor and I'll tell you what gave that hint Mm -hmm. When they're in the house and he's looking or she's looking at the pictures and he says or she says like, oh, this picture, who is that in the picture? And then mm -hmm. he was like, and they both say it's me. Well, the first time you see it, yeah, look like her. Yeah. Yeah. It's really and, small. But and yeah. then he says he meant he mentions it with the pronoun we. So like there's a moment of like we like they're one being in this but it's him though so you think how can it be her too 
because what ends up happening is this is all what's in it, his... What's this music from? I just try to think of the most mindfuck kind of movie. Was it's it like, Inception? You got it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought I heard some Zimmer in there. Um, Sorry. So if you go all the way to the end, yeah, the janitor kills himself. Yeah. And commits suicide. Yeah. When he's sweeping up around the janitor and he ki- he kills himself, he stabs himself. He kills That's himself. one of the last ones. It's the dance scene, yeah. And so the image that Liz and I got at the end were like, it's like his whole life is flashing before his eyes up until the end. And then the end is where it like, it, you know, everything started basically. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of times when they're like in the same right mind and they remember the same things um there's a lot of reference to time like in the way that the house like the the adults like grow older and older and older and younger and, then older. and it's it's a progression through time and it kind of goes back and it weaves yeah. and it's just it feels like it's an image of somebody's like last moments before dying yeah, but like then, but what what was because obviously he didn't win the Nobel Prize or he mm-hmm. wouldn't be a janitor so obviously this isn't his real life flashing yeah. it's his make believe what he it's wanted what could have been yeah, yeah. and like okay. it, and when your life flashes before your eyes like I've always gotten the image of like you'll think of the things that you had and the things that you wish that were yeah. in those last moments like I could have done this I could have done that I could have been with this girl I don't think they were ever together and if they were together, it was very, very short time. I I think the trip to the house really happened in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it is It, like, cute. kind of fell, fell apart. That's where the road, yeah. But even, like, the ice cream stand, like, he seems, like, super excited what, about so, it. So then what was, what was the preppy blonde girls versus the emo girl what was that supposed to be about because she was the saying preppy you, can, blonde girl you can stay here and because remember like they go in order and the two girls the blonde girls like are swooning over him and aren't taking her order and then the goth girl comes up and is like maybe it could have been because and, she uh, he also has the rashes on his arm once after they're talking if you look oh does he he has the rashes on his arm so another person that could represent him but in a different way, like a different metaphysical or, kind or of thing. Or is that another girl he dated or something? Maybe it that could was, have been, yeah. Maybe that was a girl he finally ended up with or something. And maybe they share the same pain because they went through something together or, you and, know, and something she, like that. And she's like, you can stay here. You don't have to go. And that mm-hmm. means like... Like it, you should have. And that's basically, yeah. even though the goth girl is saying it, it's the guy saying it through her. Yeah. It's like a met weird so, yeah. because because they also mention like that everything is the same at one point. I remember them. That was I remember one, that yeah. being one of the lines. Like everything is the same. One that was one thing Dan and I had a conversation about. Thank you for bringing that up. That was yeah. one other thing I, I I took away from that was. Uh, I've taken mushrooms a few times. I've had some good trips, and then I had one really really bad trip. <laughs> and I've been terrified to do. And that. I saw God basically my version of god and it wasn't a being it was the universe telling me basically what happened is i took too much and went to go see thor ragnarok oh. and i was like nope and somehow drove home which was a bad idea and got into my room went into my sheets and took my portable speaker and 
put it underneath my pillow and just played like Indian tones and monk like wah, wah, wah. interesting and I just it made me like just because my body was just anyways you're freaking out yeah and I, what I took from it as much as I hated it it was a great experience that what I took from it was just like as much as we are different and I'm different from Trump and he's different from me and the, me from the cat and me and the plant we're all the same it's, we're all one being and regardless of what we think and this movie emphasize that it was yeah. like charlie charlie Kaufman. charlie Kaufman, yeah. charlie's definitely taking mushrooms he's definitely taking oh, yeah. some acid he's taking some drugs for sure if he hasn't then he's just a weird fucking <laughs> we said dude that, we said that like in the middle of the movie oh this day this guy's probably on some drugs if he, he hasn't this. then i don't want to know what he comes up with after taking drugs. i know that's scary <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah. i i feel that when i viewed it from the perspective of like this is him on his deathbed. Like he's he's like seeing all this as he's about to die, and in the end, he actually dies, and you see the like snow over the car, meaning a lot of time has passed, um, and he you know he's he's dead probably. Could it could it also mean because the the car is covered, but the grass around it is super green? True that too. Does it mean maybe like the grass is always greener on the other side? Could be that? yeah. It could yeah. be like the choices we make can like dictate whether it's you know yeah but i think um my big my big takeaway was it was much more beautiful when i like thought about it like oh this is somebody's like life just like the pain but then also some of the like happiness like the ice cream stand to me when he was talking about it, his eyes lit up Question. and the cartoon and everything what was the dumpster full of those containers what is what did that mean the dumpster full of the containers Maybe she's in the car and, and oh oh yeah she walks With, up and sees all the dope like maybe maybe this is like because again he's, he's time just, is kind of stuck, infinite you know what i mean he's, he's stuck in yeah r- repeat that he can't get out of that, yeah that, Maybe it's like maybe it's like purgatory. Like maybe mm. it's kind of like, like he's he's trying to figure out what like his like what maybe where it went wrong or like yeah you know it's got a lot. There's a lot of layers. So like even that could be interpreted yeah. a certain way. Yeah, it's heady. But it's it was really good. And when you think of it like that, it's like it's a puzzle. You're gonna go back and watch it again. And, and you know the puzzle you end or the thing you end up at the end is gonna be completely different than your person you watched it with yeah like i said they're gonna take stuff away from it that you didn't for sure i think and that's great i think yeah oh and to mention the name i'm thinking of ending things we thought from the very very beginning it was like oh yeah the girl the girl suicide yeah the well the girl was saying like i want to end this relationship but the guy it's it's really the guy's story of thinking of killing oh, himself. That's a, yeah, that's a you good know point. what I mean. That's a good point. Um, he's like, I'm thinking of ending things. This is what I remember. Like, yeah. and he kills himself, and he's remembering all this. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pretty pretty crazy movie. Yeah, go and watch it. Yeah, it's it's on awesome. Netflix. Yeah, it, us explaining it, you'll probably get something different. So. <laughs> Check it out. And there's other scenes with like the dinner yeah. scene. It's so weird too. Oh, and let me just say that Tony Collette is just amazing. Like she's so, and that's another thing we see that mental illness runs in the family. Uh-huh. Like that's another. She's been in a few movies where that is like the main theme. Like Hereditary is all about. I would uh, 
I would even throw in Six Sense in there. Yeah, this kid's a little fucked up, little mentally. Yeah, she's for a little sure. fucked up. So absolutely, <laughs> that was that was her, like her rookie year into mental illness. That was her. First yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get into some more mind fuck. Yeah. Movies. So anyway, jumping off of, um, I'm thinking of ending things on Netflix, which you should go watch this Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, we're gonna talk about some movies. Our top three movies. It's all that in the really... snow too. Basically, it's all in a blizzard, so it may, might make you feel yeah. like you're cold too. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we liked it more because of that. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to be in that blizzard right now. <laughs> I'm there. I don't mind if I get frostbite. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you go ahead. Number three, get me. All right. Number got? three was the first movie that gave me the foray into. Weird any twists. of these twists and stuff like that and you just mentioned it six cents wow sorry that's weird that's crazy i just yeah um six cents was the movie that uh, i think it's a masterpiece like oh, it, yeah. it like the way it hit me at the end H- I, like, hitchcock would be holy, proud yeah. of what he made Absolutely. and it was a love letter to a hitchcock oh, if yeah. you see a lot of the shots and yeah. the, he's always just, yeah he's always m night's always been a big uh Hitchcockian director. Yeah, and he just... I I feel like Sixth Sense was kind of a turning point for Bruce Willis, too. Like, Bruce Willis was an action star only, like, action star. Mm -hmm. And then he did this, and it was really good. And he was able to pick up some roles that were, like, a little bit different. Um, I feel like another movie like that would have been Eternal Sunshine for Jim Carrey, where it, like, kind of, like, let him do more artistic stuff. I think uh, Truman Show helped with that, too. Yeah, that, too. That will smidge of like goofy Jim Carrey but that's an honorable mention too for three but Sixth Sense like it just like the moment you find out like holy crap like it was all especially like like our age when we saw it like what we were like 10 yeah we had to been like 10 that was a good that's a good age to watch that movie it is yeah and and I remember we went we went to remember the Cynodomes yeah Oh, that was my Cynodome was where I we saw, saw so it. many movies there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember walking out of there and we were still talking about it. Like, can you believe we missed all the signs? I think I saw Matrix there. Yeah. I saw some other good ones. Nice. But Six Sense is my three. Cool. Um, my number three, I'm going to choose... Um, uh, well, why not? I got, the, I got the music playing. Inception. I was going to make a good it my one. number two, but I got the music playing. Um... I, uh, one of the few movies I remember walking out of the theater just like uh, 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 my mind is scrambled eggs right now and uh, I went and saw my old guitar player and us driving home saying well just like what we did with thinking about ending it soon like what does that mean what does this mean what about what's what's the the turning thing did it fall over and it was just all these what could be and yeah. definitely have watched it again over again and just it's it's so good it's a movie you can watch all the time it's for so, sure Christopher Nolan um, of course um, what else can I say about it it's just Leonardo DiCaprio that was the movie that kind of like plunged him into like well he's always been a well yeah but it plunged him into the world of like I would say being taken a little more seriously hmm. like once you're in a Nolan movie Nolan film like he steps he, everybody up yeah yeah. It just it happens, and I'm hope I'm hoping maybe Tenant will make my list now. I'm waiting to for it to come out yeah. into California. I'm honestly really considering driving to Vegas just to watch it. Go it's check it's it the out. closest theater I think close to us. I still want to see in that. IMAX because I'm definitely seeing it in IMAX. Um, yeah, 
Inception's a good one. And it, good it, music. Like, it had layers and layers and layers. Like, that was the entire movie. It's it got loophole, uh, loop, not loopholes, but plot holes, yeah. plot holes in it for sure. Um, lot, I mean, everything Nolan does has it. I mean, but you got to just fall in love with it. Just go, yeah. just go with it. Don't, in a, Charlie Kaufman, I was going to say Daniel again, Charlie Kaufman, that kind of movie you can look into the details and use a scalpel on it and get in the details, but Nolan's just trying to have a good cinematic adventure for you. So, Inception, number two. That's a great one. Um, that was number one. Number, or number, number three. three. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be a number two. Number two for me is Hereditary. There you go. And Tony Collette again. Tony Collette's in two of the three movies. <laughs> um, Hereditary is a... It, it's perplexing in a horrific way. It is. It didn't... It doesn't have, like, tons of twists and turns, but it, like... It messes with your mind through the psychological... Like, it, it plays tricks on your eyes. It, like... It, it's about like ghosts. It's it's about like mental illness and okay. demons and stuff, cool. and it's creepy as hell. Um, it's it's really really scary, um, but in a way that's it. It's not so much about the like gore and stuff, although there is some like brutality in it. Uh-huh. It's more about the psychological element. Okay. Um, and then just the terrifying nature of mental illness and what it can turn into if left untouched, and um, and just the is idea the that it can terrify. She like the yeah. Okay. And she, I don't know how she would. Well, I can tell you why it's a horror film. She should have been up for like an Oscar for this performance. There's one specific scene that I'll like, she goes to like a support group for something and she breaks down and it's just like, I'm like, Oh my God, just the monologue she delivers. is just insane. Mm. Um, yeah. Horror movies and comedies don't really get enough recognition. Yeah. At the Oscars, but, but hereditary, like, although a horror movie is at its core, like a, like a family drama like it it is really about the family and the 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 decay of the family the movie the word i could think of to describe this movie is like decay mm-hmm. it's very scary and ari aster is nuts he's he oh you, know, you love that guy midsummer this movie this movie that's right this movie's way different than midsummer you'll and you said you liked that better than midsummer right yeah yeah, I did, but mid- I do like Midsummer a lot more now that it different. went back and watched and caught a lot of the symbol the symbolism. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Try it. It's it's crazy. That's my number two. Cool. Um, my number two. Um, damn it. Uh, one second. I didn't click the. Actual it almost way. sounded like pirates. A little bit. Like, That's Hans Zimmer. For a few years, a lot of Hans Zimmer stuff all sounded the same. as all the 6-8 stuff. Yeah. Um, sorry, I want to make sure I get the uh, Whoa, that director. sounds very close to, like, Davy Jones' theme song, I think it is. So good. Oh, um, Hans Zimmer, you're amazing. So, number two for me, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, such a good another movie. movie where I came out of the theater going I was not expecting that what a crazy ending uh, 
don't want to spoil this one. If you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods and you're a fan of horror and comedy, suspense and yeah. comedy, it's definitely got some laughs in it. Um, Especially with the the dad from what's his name from Step Step Brothers. What's that actor's oh, name? Um, I liked him a lot in that movie. Richard Jenkins and then yeah. Bradley Whitford, the other guy in it. So uh, good. Chris Hemsworth, he's in it. Um, I'm not like a big horror guy like you, and for anyone else like that, this is still a, a decent watch. It's not. It's got moments that are quote unquote gory, but it's more for laughs yeah. than anything, and and not for like a like scary movie laugh like yeah. like comical slapstick it's I don't know it's clever and then at the end it's is like over the top very yeah. over the top um, directed by Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon what produced right wrote it wrote it yeah okay. I thought he directed it but yeah it's definitely Josh Whedon's baby he this is a very clever idea um some I, I know some people that like have turned it on and started watching like the first 30 minutes and were like oh I don't want to watch this this is like a stupid teen you know horror movie yeah and that's what you're that's the point yeah like you're supposed to the like, tropes keep, keep going like yeah all the like all the horror ha- tropes you're supposed to expect like something's gonna happen now and, yeah that's the whole basis of like kind of the concept so and it's got the endings out of nowhere it's kind of weird but at the same time like that's like you said it's over yeah. the top and that's very over the top but uh, yeah i remember walking out of the theater with another friend of mine and scratching your head and i were just talking crap. like what huh like that remember that part remember that part like so cabin in the woods good number stuff t- number two number one what you got? i'm very excited for this one let me guess hold on i don't want to guess i don't know parasite oh i love that movie interesting um i think it's a brilliantly crafted film and it like yeah. Leads you to expect it's one thing, and then at the end, it's like just like, hey, guess what? Yeah. It's not. Like, no. it, but it is still. Like, it's a it's a movie ta- like speaking on classism and, you know, social structures, but at its heart and its core, it's a psychological thriller, like a, like a psychological horror movie. Yeah, basically. And what a great and again, film. Again, if you start so watching beautiful. it and you see the subtitles and you're turned off, fuck you, for one thing. Yeah. Watch movies with subtitles because other countries do make movies. That are great. Surprise. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, you, after an hour, you, you'll forget you're reading subtitles. Yep. At least for me. Like, I just, just it just comes naturally, so. It was such a good movie and, like, um, I think the idea of, like, the class system and kind of fighting against like the man, the power. It was like it, that just hit a chord with me. Like, right. oh, that's awesome. Great characters, super good characters, <clears throat> yeah. really well developed characters. Yeah, and, like over the top as well at times, where it's like, holy crap, yeah. that's way over the top. A little bit, but they're definitely, um, are not uh, kind of archetypal. Arch- Arch- yeah, archetypal. Thank you. A little bit of certain, <clears throat> at least like a family structure yeah. that they had and everything. But yeah, it's a good one. It was a, directed by uh, jo- Jun, uh, Bong Jun Ho. Bong Jun Ho. He's funny. Boon Jun Ho, sorry. Bong Jun Ho, sorry. <laughs> one of those three guys. Um, I've seen him interviewed. He doesn't speak a lot of English, so he usually has an interpreter. And remember, at, I think it was at Con or one of those yeah. Venice Film Festival things. 
they got he got like an eight minute standing ovation and finally went up to the mic and he's like all right enough let's let's i want to go drink let's go yeah <laughs> he's like enough applauding i appreciate it but i'm tired and i want to go drink let's go okay. <laughs> like, fuck yeah dude i love you come with me yeah i appreciate <laughs> it this is, i know this is a big deal and everything and you guys can keep clapping for another five minutes but let's go drink let's go party yeah <laughs> i worked sure. really hard on this this is the whole payoff like to go party about this it's so cool and one uh best picture yeah, and right. like what that it made history. Like it's a horror movie that won Best Picture, and like That's a good point, and just a foreign film as well. Like Best Picture. I guess I take so I take good. it back. Academy, you do, you do nominate non non non. <laughs> I got I can't talk today. I'm not even nominate. drinking. That's the other thing. I'm I'm doing sober September. I'm not. I haven't been drinking all month really. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I need the booze to talk, talk well, talk good. <laughs> to talk, I need some of that moonshine to talk good. And I'm definitely curious of what he's going to make after this. Yeah. I mean, sorry, dude, but the bar is pretty high now. He's going to make something crazy. Watch. I heard Snowpiercer is great, so I need to you get seen that. that? I still oh, that's really good. It. They have like a TV show now, too, I guess. But the movie is, it's another weird, it's not in the vein of like American cinema yeah. it's, it's own, but it's all it's not that one doesn't have subtitles it's all in English it's all in English yeah, yeah. so you weird Americans can watch that <laughs> what's your first movie my first one uh, I didn't watch this in the theaters um, because it came out in 2000 and wasn't a big enough movie to know about and I probably wasn't old enough um, so but I remember watching it in San Diego in my condo and watched it like in the afternoon and the rest of the day was just weird to me yeah because the movie was memento oh yeah and that's a crazy and if no one's seen it spoiler it's not really a spoiler but the whole movie is basically it's backwards it's backwards so it's but each scene is it's not like the people are moving backwards like tenants going to be basically this one i love yeah i love how Christopher Nolan just takes these concepts and just molds them into something new. Completely but weird. But also yeah. the same. Like, Tenant's basically like Inception meets Memento, I think. That's what I've been hearing. Um, but yeah, it's backwards. You follow a detective. No, he's not a detective. He's just a guy trying to figure out something. A, I don't remember. It's not a murder. Is it a murder? Yeah, I guess it, it's a girl dies. I haven't seen it in a, in a while, but... Um, uh, what's his name? Guy Pierce stars in it. He's underrated, Guy Pierce. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for He's sure. He's great. Carrie Ann Moss is in there, too. Uh, speaking of Matrix, we were talking earlier. Um, Guy Pierce, speaking of him, um, Count of Monte Cristo. I love that movie. That was the first time I think I saw Guy Pierce. And I was like, I'm in. He's a good bad guy, but he's technically a good guy in this, I guess. Um, yeah, Christopher Nolan again. Um, I think this was like his first like official movie I think he'd done like a short called Following which is pretty interesting too film noir Um, what's up no I'm listening oh it looks like you wanted to say something Um, budget of nine million dollars made 40 I don't know it's it's just another mind fuck it's just your mind is so used to this chronological set of movies and now it's flipped on its head and you have to solve basically you're seeing the end of the movie in the beginning and you know what happens but you don't know how it happened and that's what the whole movie yeah. is so go watch Memento that's a good one Memento is a really good movie if you haven't seen it I'd, I'd go watch it if I were you um, and keep in mind that you will be confused yeah <laughs> the first time it's a it's a one that you'll catch stuff more the second time if you know what's hap- gonna happen um 
that's how you know it's a good movie like that messes with your mind because it makes you want to go back and kind of put the pieces together the music end is that all the music i think it did no it's still going well we're almost done anyways that was it right that's all three is there yeah. anything else we use no um i would definitely go check out thinking of ending things it's really good and if you haven't seen any of the you know those six movies we mentioned go check those out too um go check out all the movies we mentioned today yeah we didn't really mention so a bad good. movie today six cents i'm sure everybody's seen so we'll watch that one again You'll- i need to go watch that again yeah. um cool um so coming up we're gonna uh i'm gonna turn this music down i'm gonna lay in some music underneath um Coming up, we've got an interview with DJ Bronner, the CEO, founder, and director of uh, Tough Contender, a commercial music video production company up in LA. And uh, so, we'll be right back. Started running and I didn't look back. Still feel the same way. Still don't know where I'm going. Oh, let me in. Don't know how you did it other than you did. And we're back with the So So Scrutiny Podcast. I'm Robert, and today I have probably my first, you are my first mentor into the film, film industry, DJ Bronner. Thanks for being on today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> um, been, you know, you've been on a li- my list of people that I've been wanting to have on because, um, you know, the music industry kind of spat me out and threw me out. And I was like, well, I want to throw my hand in the film industry a little bit and got a message. You and I had mutual friends on Facebook and stuff. And um, I think you kind of saw I was doing little projects here and there. And you reached out saying, hey, I got this thing come on and PAing, and I was kind of like, well, what's a PA? <laughs> I had to like do a bunch of research that night, and uh, it was Hailstorm and Amen, I think it was. Amen, yeah. And that was a good one. That was a good first video, I think, for me. I've been on a few sets where I've had some green PAs, and it's like a little commercial, nothing big, and it's like their first set. I'm like, oh, I feel bad for you. I had like this awesome music video with this amazing set. Um, what was that place called? It's uh, called Lacey Street Lacey. Studios. Yeah, that's the only time I've, I've filmed there, and I've wanted to go back. It's a really cool spot. Um, so let's get into it. Um, sure. Early on, life history. Where did you grow up? Um, parents, you know, what did they do for a living? That kind of thing. Sure. Um, so I grew up in a town called Menlo Park, California, um, just south of San Francisco. I was born in Chicago, actually, oh. um, but I'm adopted, and so. My mom flew to Chicago to come pick me up. We all of my family is originally from there, so um, hence why I happen to be born there. I, it's <laughs> kind of confusing, um, but anyway, uh, grew up just south of San Francisco. Um, my parents, my dad was an insurance broker. Not the most exciting thing. He retired when I was around five um, to help my mom with her business, and my mom um, has a workplace safety CPR first aid AED training company. So. Uh, my dad helped out with that and we owned an apartment complex and so my dad did a lot of like uh, the labor around the apartment complex or kind of like a super yeah kind of like a super painful uh, painful super but it was cool living there I mean I got Mm -hmm. into a lot of trouble Um, (laughs) we were right across the street from um, a creek that 
led to downtown Palo Alto. Um, downtown Palo Alto was like a pretty cool place to hang out as yeah. a kid. I mean, it was walking distance from my house. So skateboarding, skateboarding, tons of skateboarding. Punk rock. Yeah. Um, yep. We had shenanigans. A, we had a venue nearby and then I could go up to San Francisco or Oakland and see shows all the time. How, how kind of a, how far of a drive would that be for you back then? On a good day, it was 30 minutes. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Oakland, Oakland was, uh, a little bit further, maybe 45. That's, so like, that's better for me. That's better than me from Orange County to L.A. So for some of my shows. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, on a good day, 30 minutes. Yeah. And okay. most of the venues were on like the south side of San Francisco. So yeah. to get up there was really easy. Right on. So um, high school, were you getting into like video ideas? Were you doing bands? What were you doing in high school? So in high school, I, um, I mean, I think like many of us, I was trying to figure out who I was and what my identity was, and I'm still probably figuring that out. I think out everyone now. is on that same page too. <laughs> yep. Um, so, I uh, well, what did I do in high school? Um, I was really into just anything art related in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a. Oh, gotta, there's a siren. Oh yeah. Background. By the way, we're in the uh, tough contender offices. That's why it kind of sounds kind of echoey. We also have a fire department literally right next door. So, go it, get them, boys. It adds Be some, safe out there. It adds some texture. You know, it's like some nice, like ambient background. Yeah, noise. we're really in LA right now. Yep. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I was really into skateboarding, like big time skateboarder. Were you good? I was. Uh, yeah. I, I skateboarded a lot. Yeah. I don't know if I was good. <laughs> Just got around. Gotcha. Um, and I was really into smoking weed. So I think that led itself to uh, me being really into art. I got Creative. really into yeah, I got really into music um, pretty early on. Um, hit me with your some of your like early on. What were some of the bands that hit you hard in high school? Um, so I I got really into punk rock in like when I was in like in eighth grade, seventh mm-hmm. grade, probably eighth. Um, my favorite band was No Effects, uh, <laughs> still is. Um, Minor Threat was the band that kind of changed my entire perspective on. Um, life yeah um, their message like just kind of shifted my whole perspective and that was kind of what was my through line pretty much for the rest of my life yeah um, but also like really into like other bands like rancid and um, any other like kind of the classics the classic punk rock pop yeah like of that era the, anyways, the yeah. old the 90s punk the 90s um, punk yeah but I was into like all the old stuff operation Ivy was a big band that I um, you know broke up right before I uh, got into that scene mm. and but that band like them and Minor Threat were like the two bands I listened to the most and like yeah. kind of shaped me. Um, and, and really my perspective on like people and humanity and all of that. But anyway, so to fast forward, I... <laughs> we could talk for music. Yeah, I could talk about music forever. We want to, talk into, we want to get into videos soon. So, so I... Uh, so anyway, really into art, really into anything art. Any yeah. time, time my school had any sort of art-related class, I took it. Um, there was a video class that I got to take. I think it was my junior year in high school. Um, First time they ever offered any sort of video class, mm. and I—is it okay if I swear on this? This oh, is totally fine, absolutely right? fucking lutely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I fucking hated it. Oh no, I hated it. The teacher was awful. No, the ins- the, the projects that we did, the instructing the instructions through these projects was just garbage. It was yeah. just awful, and the teacher was just terrible. And you know, just like. Uh, was it uh, that it, it that they weren't teaching very well, or they didn't know the subject very well, and wasn't teaching you the subject very all well? All of the above. No, all of the above. Okay. All of the above. Um, from my, I mean, from my memory, I mean, God, that was yeah. twenty-four years ago or something. Um, so, the next year, there was a broadcasting class that they'd never had before. Oh, so okay. I was like, oh, let me take this broadcasting class and figure this out. And you know, we were doing sort of like radio edits or you know, little kind of like fake radio shows and, on tape. Um, 
yeah, I guess we were doing tape. Wow, yeah. yeah. I've never touched tape before. That's crazy. Yeah, doing yeah. fake radio shows. And um, the final project in that class was to create um, basically any sort of video project you wanted to create. Gotcha. And so we, were, we broke up into groups, and very quickly I realized that I was the director of this project. Yeah. Without ever intending to be that. Yeah. I, I really... Oh, I could kind of tell you... Well, let me retract. Can I come back to this? Yeah, absolutely. So my best friend in high school is a guy named Nate. Um, still one of my best friends to this day. Uh, he and I, when we were in 10th grade, both got video cameras. Just happened to. Like my mom bought me a video camera. His mom bought me a video. It wasn't like the, the family video camera. They, it was your personal. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. that's huge. Like, I mean, it sure, it was like a big one. But I was, I think at that point... They, I was doing a lot. I was still skateboarding. I wanted. I was using the family video camera quite a bit to do like film skate videos, yeah. and I was doing and a lot. They were tired of it. No, yeah, and, and I had a yeah. gigantic Panasonic VHS tape <laughs> yeah. thing. Then I got this other one that they upgraded to, and so I was using it all the time. And like yeah. I said, like I really want my own camera. Can I? And I asked for one for my, my birthday and got it. And my friend Nate got one also. Nice. So the summer between tenth um, grade and eleventh grade, I we would go up to San Francisco and we would shoot this, the dumbest fucking videos that we could of just the two of us goofing around, basically doing like jackass sort of stuff. My friends and I did that same thing. Yeah. Before jackass. And like, we're just for YouTube, just making dumb videos. And then we would, I would go home and we'd share them with our friends and like, they'd come over and watch them just see the dumb stuff we were doing. And some of it's pretty cringeworthy now. Oh yeah, uh, but we, but whatever. So like, we, but at the time, we would, it was like the funniest and the greatest thing you've ever seen. Yeah, we would just yeah. cruise all the way. Like we would take the train up, and from the train station, we would just walk to as far as we could walk in San Francisco and just film some stuff. We'd go down to Fisherman's Wharf and you know until, fuck, the, until the sun went down. And yeah, mom was worried. Yeah, yeah, we'd fuck with the tourists and things. <laughs> nice. And then so. So then I took this video class because now I'm interested in video. Okay. Take this video class junior year. It's terrible. Awful. And then we go into this, um, I'm in this, this broadcasting class. Yeah. And so I'm already like really into like filming and just, I always had a camera with me. I was like shooting stuff. I was yeah. shooting whatever I could. We'd go to a concert. I'd film like we'd go on a small road trip. I'd film like whatever I could do with my friends. I was always filming something. I, I, I look at kids nowadays and they bring cell phones into their shows. And it's yeah. like, I used to have to sneak a disposable camera in my shoe and pretend I have a limp to get in the concert. And then I could have my camera. That's yeah. a, that's the lengths I had to go to. Oh well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so this broadcasting class, I like realized like, as we're doing this like group project that I'm directing. Never set out to do it. I just ended up directing just all the all scenes. Kind of looked at you and figuring out the yeah. shots. I mean, there's only four or five of us, and we all had a, we had to act. We had to act in it mm-hmm. and shoot it and yeah. edit it all of ourselves. So kind of hit the mic there. Sorry. <laughs> and so that doing that class um, that really was for me what made me want to consider doing this as my career. And that was the first time where I ever. Because I don't even think I really truly grasped what the director was in, up until mm-hmm. that point, and that project made me go, "Oh, I like this. I like being the one to figure out the shots. I like being the one to kind of boss everybody around because it's yeah. already sort of what my personality was." Mm-hmm. And so, and, and so that just kind of became what I was into. Yeah, I really, really, really loved music videos. I loved music. I loved punk. I mean, we already talked about that, but yeah. I loved punk rock. Was there any like visual music videos early on that like kind of so, caught you? Yeah. So I would collect these VHS tapes 
that were filled with all of my favorite bands. Was it like, uh, like uh, an actual copy, or was it like a someone copied off MTV? Oh no, no. So I would go to like the stores and buy the stores the and okay, buy gotcha. these ta- like compilations. That, that was the thing too. Like, yeah, it was like yeah. it was a compilation, like video gotcha. compilations. Gotcha. Yeah. Of like you know, Fat Records would have theirs, and Epitaph had theirs. I got the drive-through yeah. DVD every year. Yeah, yeah. Same idea, yeah. and so. I got. I would watch those over and over and over and over again. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. And then, um, you know, I obviously, you know, we had MTV and stuff, so I'd, I'd watch that too. But like, those tapes are really what made me want to do it. And then I said, taking this broadcasting class, taking music, going like, I could do this. I could do work with the bands that I love to work with or that yeah. I love and make projects for them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had opted not to apply to any colleges in <laughs> high school. And I um, decided to just go to junior college for two years, partly because all my friends were going to do the same thing. And um, I did the same, same as that thing. Yeah. I, so I went to and did audio school. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I went to junior college and took every, and I, in the school by, by me, um, it's called Deanza. They had a ton of really good video classes. Um, and that's where I just kind of practiced and honed my craft and, tried to figure out what I really wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And I made a lot of mistakes in those classes, which yeah. was kind of good because it was junior college. Um, it's, it's funny because um, I kind of had that same moment in junior college. I went to for audio school and but we had to take this like post-production class and the teacher made us for, like a final project again, make a video. And we had to incorporate like ADR and certain things. Mm-hmm. And so we made a skate video and I became the director. I am the one that edited. I am the one that shot, you know, did all the same stuff that you were just saying. Yeah. And it was the best video uh, that everyone made. Even like the uh, Dean came in at the same time. Nice. Like, that was great. Who made that? And we're like us, us dumb guys. We made that. And we, we got over, we got around the ADR thing. Cause we feel that's going to be such a hard thing to do that. We just made our actors like it was like a Japanese like kung fu movie and then we overdubbed like ridiculous vocals on top and the teacher was like all right you that was kind of a loophole you got us on that one so <laughs> it's funny it's like yeah complete parallels so yeah i didn't I, I definitely wasn't the best uh at that time i was still figuring out yeah and i, I was there for audio i wasn't yeah. even considering video but when i had to download premiere and i had to like figure out this new thing and i was like i, I like this this is cool so so at this two-year uh, so community went, college yeah so yeah i transferred to chapman university um, do you just want my life story? Because I'm just kind of just well, keep but, riffing. I, I want to hear a little bit of Chapman because okay. I mean, how long were you there for? Well, my, I don't know how long the program there is. My Chapman experience is really tied to my professional experience because yeah. um, you know I went to Chapman for three years. It was a four-year school, but I had gone to junior college. But I did, was so focused on film that I wasn't actually taking any classes that actually would get me through college quicker. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So. Um, I, about a year into film school, oh, let me, this is kind of an interesting story. So I applied to Chapman, I wanted to go to Chapman, I applied to USC and NYU, and I got into USC, I didn't get into NYU, and I got into Chapman, but I did not get into the film program. And I don't really know why, mm-hmm. no, to this day I have no concept of why, <laughs> um, but I got into the school, so I get to the, go to the school, and the first day I take the first possible class that I, I could, um, cause they make, they make everybody For there. Film. Yeah. Yeah. They make everybody take the same like introduction, intro, intro yeah, class. Film 101. Yeah. I blew that class out of the water and I, I mean, I, I don't want to say this is like everybody's art subjective. Right. But like, <laughs> I definitely knew what I was doing when I went into that class cause I already had been taking film classes and I was just, 
a head above everybody else in mm -hmm. that class. Yeah. And there's a few other people that were, you know, at the same level as I was. So that's, you know, I'm not I, discrediting that, anyone same else. Same with music. I, yeah. I had to do music 101. I was like, God, I'm going to fall asleep in this class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I had a lot of fun. And my teacher in that class, I went to him because I basically, to get into the film school, do I had you, to like, get a petition the class. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah. So he, um, so he, he's vouched for me and said that this guy needs to be in the film program. Wow. So, um, signed off and then I was back in the film program, which was That's great. huge. Yeah. Um, I even won a, I have the mug still, I think, but I won an award in that class for best director, best director. Wow. Uh, the mug now doesn't say best director on it. It just is a black mug because it wore off. <laughs> wore off so much. But yeah. anyway, um, so I went, I was at Chapman making stuff, doing stuff and I happened to meet, so my, a friend of mine told me that his buddy was a director of photography and I was happened to be playing one of these VHS tapes at, at my house mm -hmm. and he was like, oh, my friend Derek shot this. My friend Derek shot that. Mm -hmm. My friend Derek shot this. Oh, my friend Derek directed this and my friend Derek directed this and I go, I'd like to meet this guy. <laughs> yeah. And later, just casually, he ended up introducing me and, you know, it wasn't like he set up a meeting for me to meet him or anything. Yeah, yeah. Just, we met socially. Him, socially. Yeah. And within um, uh, two weeks of meeting this guy, Derek, his name is Derek Dale, um, I was now working on Derek's shoots. And Derek is a professional music video director at the time. Yeah. Still, still is. And we started doing projects together. And that was the beginning of my career. And I was still in film school at the time. Oh, wow. And Derek became sort of my champion. He, like, believed in me. He wanted to help me as much as he could. So I'd PA on his shoots. I'd, like, assist, assist the producer. I'd do all kinds of different stuff. Remember, remember the first set, really? Yeah. So the first... So this is the funny part. Curious. So... I, as a PA, I've never heard his DJ as a PA. I'm curious now. Well, I've only PA'd maybe 10 projects. Okay. Um, so the very first, well, I have to give you guys some context. Derek met me because I was acting in a play that, oh, at I a coffee know. shop in Orange. So if you live in Orange County, there's a town <laughs> called Orange. Or if you don't live Beautiful. in Orange County. Um, there was a coffee shop there called The Ugly Mug. And my cousin was doing these like small little plays there every mm -hmm. once in a while. And I was acting, I acted in one of them. Mm -hmm. And Derek saw me and he was like, oh, you're a thespian. And he made this big joke. He's like, oh, you're a thespian. Look at you. So he asked me to come work on the shoot and then also be the actor in a music video for this band called the Halo Friendlies. I've never heard that. They were like an all, all girl, all woman um, pop punk band. Oh, I like that. Um, signed, cool. a, signed a tooth and nail. And I think it was a low budget project, but his um, they were managed by uh, one of the... Um, somebody from Dancehall Crashers mm, and Derek oh yeah. was friends with them and uh, so they asked him to direct this video mm -hmm. and so I end up being the lead in this video <laughs> and I'm like some creepy dude watching them practice in their rehearsal space and so uh, that was a really interesting experience for me because I kind of got to do a lot of stuff I it was a small crew there was I think it was just four or five of us wow, doing yeah. it and I got to know the band really well that day. And like there, some of them are still friends of mine to this day. That's great. Um, which is random, but I mean, that's just yeah. how the world works sometimes. The music industry and film industry are so small. The circles get so small. Yeah. And I got to do everything from like help with production design to, uh, in it, um, Derek's, picking, up, picking up water bottles. Picking up water bottles. <laughs> yeah. Derek's asking me questions about what I think about certain things. Cause he knows that I'm also sort of like a, he you knows know. you're a student. He knows yeah, that. he knows I'm a student, but yeah. he's also trying to help me out. And so yeah. that was, I mean, it wasn't, 
probably anything like the experience that you had on the Hailstorm yeah. Man video because the, sc- the it was scale a little was, overwhelming. Yeah, the yeah. scales were a lot smaller, and like it was a nice little introduction. And Derek back then really focused on only having like the the crucial the crucial people. Yeah. And, um, he also is the kind of guy that rolls up his sleeves and like will do a lot of work that you know other departments um, would typically pick up. So, oh, yeah. um, so from there, like I started working on a bunch of his shoots, and so he every time he direct something or produce something, I would then come work on it. So let me uh, question because I'm not I, I still don't know about this. Did Derek or you direct the Damn It video, the Blink One Eight Two video? Oh no, not me. Okay, uh, Derek was the director of photography oh, okay. on Blink One Eight Two's. I know Damn you guys were involved. Yeah, Josie and uh, M and M's. Okay. I, was, I was not a part of any of those productions. Those oh. were all pre me. Oh, okay. Uh, I was in high, I was in high school. I thought I was that maybe out. was one of the time you guys kind of met. Okay. No, we met. Um, I still still good because Derek was my second mentor. Like yeah. you brought me on, but then literally the first person I ran into on the Hailstorm video was Derek, mm-hmm. and he knew I was super green, trying to put my walkie uh, surveillance in. He's like, "Turn around, kid. Let me help you." And he put the surveillance in for me. And I, I mean, was you're like, really, oh. "You're like not really a kid. You're like 30 years yeah, old." That's true. <laughs> uh, I was. 29, 28. Okay. I was coming. I was definitely right. coming to the game late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I also, I knew being in bands and being in audio that I knew I could just kind of not be up with the the big boys, but I could. I knew how productions. You ran. Figured, you knew you got it. Gotta be yeah. quiet. You know, it's kind of a military style. There's ranks, and you're at the bottom, so you gotta look up everybody at the top. But and I remember vividly. The DP, uh, Bruno? Bruno, yeah. yeah. Him turning to me going, give me a hot brick. And I didn't know what a hot brick was. And DJ had to go, it's, it's, a, it's a new battery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> had to go run and get it. So, and then it's that day, I never, yeah, yeah, I love, yeah, I'll never forget that. So one was like, okay, so you got, you're in, in Chapman. Yeah. Um, so like basically like I was going to school. But also doing Derek stuff. Yeah. And, so yeah. back then like Derek was primarily doing everything on the weekends. Like we always try to get deals on the weekends because it yeah. just works out better. Especially and you're not in school, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and back then that was just always, was really the case. Um, you know, we, he would try to do two projects every, on a weekend. So, wow. so we would do, um, you know, be like Saturday would be one video for one person and Sunday would be a video for another person. And I mean, it wasn't every weekend, but you know, maybe once a month, that was the case. Yeah. And so for pretty much my whole college career, that was how things handled. I mean, obviously I couldn't be a part of every project, but I was a part of quite a bit. Um, and then, uh, Derek shot my, um, thesis film cause he, he offered to do that. And then that's huge. Like, and then I, yeah. From there, like as I started directing, he started being my DP on projects and he started giving me opportunities. Um, the first like professional, you know, music video I ever directed. That was the next question. I was curious. Yeah, I, I so at that time I was also playing in a band. So I played in this band called Wiggum. We were right. like a really terrible Scott punk band, but somehow <laughs> were able to tour and play well, shows. And were you playing in that? You played bass? bass and sang. Okay. Um, I'm sure if you're, you know, you can watch some dumb videos of. of I might play. bring them up on YouTube and put them in the episodes. So yeah, you can we'll definitely see. do that. <laughs> um, so anyway, I directed some videos for my own band, and yeah, you got to, um, I did that too. Yeah, yeah it, it was a good way to get going and get some stuff happening. And then I did a couple projects for like some friends, and then um, Derek started giving me music songs to write treatments on, mm. and so I ended up booking a video for this band called Emery. Oh. Um, oh, I do. I do know this. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So this was the very, the very first professional music video I ever directed right. was for a band called Emery on Tooth and Nail for a song called Disguising Mistakes um, with Goodbyes. 
uh, it was a great record. Yeah, yeah, great, great record, great, record, great band, great, great band. song. Um, Good and, dudes. Yeah, and that was that was cool. And then I got to do some other stuff. But it was that Chain, right? Yeah, we shot that at Chain yeah. Reaction in Anaheim. I think uh, a lot of OC, uh, maybe even LA directors, have their first start at Chain Reaction. They've at some done point. something. Yeah, you do, video, you do something there. Yeah, I've done a few. It's <laughs> too too many. Yeah. But, but that was a weird time. Um, but you actually like closed down chain. Like part of it was you didn't have it was the crowd shots. But then you actually had to do like separate. The way it worked was so the band was playing there for two days. Yeah. Two sold out shows. Um, what we did was we filmed uh, some scenes. So th the first day we shot all of like the insert shots of the band uh -huh. before the doors opened. So during basically during sound check, I mean, but yeah. we had more time than that. We shot for like three or four hours. Shot tons of coverage of the band. And then once the shows happened, we shot all the live footage on top of that. So we like really had like this really robust project, a lot of footage. You know, lot yeah. of footage. We shot two cameras, so there was a ton to work with. And then we got you know great close-ups of the guys, and then great live coverage too. Um, Were you a fan of the band, or had you not heard of them before? Um, that? At that point, like I listened to like, on the radar, kind of. Yeah, thing. I, yeah, I I was working in and out of. So I have such a weird toward past, but I. I, I pretty much knew any band that was on Tooth and Nail because I went to a Christian high school, so yep. Tooth and Nail Christian, a, yeah, yeah, a Christian label. So like, I knew all those bands, even if I'm technically wasn't a Christian anymore. <laughs> uh, and I also like while I was playing in a band, and then um, at some point I interned at um, uh, a booking agency, and so I ended up just listening to a lot of extra bands that I wouldn't necessarily listen to. That was your job probably, right? Your manager, your boss would probably listen to this and tell me how good it is or whatever kind of thing? Yeah, sort of. I was actually helping. Oh, it, was just a, it was just around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah stuff was just around. Yeah, I, I had just tons and tons of CDs <laughs> yeah, yeah. and stuff. My, my job is really just to help um, book shows and line up shows. So. It's okay, so is that when you started at the Alley? Um, around then. So okay. I, 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 since I had this love of music, I ended up booking my band's tours and doing a lot of stuff like locally and then nationally. And then I went and interviewed to be an intern at um, this place called Lucky Artist Booking. Um, and they had a, a 12 band roster that they booked all their tours for. Mm -hmm. And so that um, that internship was supposed to be like a three month internship. And you know, two weeks into it, they hired me to be the assistant. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. And I was, I think I was technically still in college. I hadn't graduated college even yet. <laughs> um, so I was doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, always with my passion being film production. Mm -hmm. But I just, this allure of music kept pulling me in. It's part of it. And then yeah. somewhere in, along the way, I this guy that I knew through booking shows asked me if I was, if I wanted to take over running um, booking at his venue that he was opening called The Alley. Mm -hmm. And so I left the talent agency and then went full time. Well, not even really full time. I became the talent buyer at a venue called the Alley, yeah. and I did that for two years. So I would be working during the day at. I mean, I'm still just rambling on, but it's like, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm so I ended that. up doing that at night. Because this is when it, this is when you became on my radar. Yeah. Right? So I, I just okay. Go continue. Yeah. So, so this is what I was doing from yeah. I graduate college, and for like the next couple years, I was booking shows in the mornings, going to those shows at night coming home at midnight and realizing I had nothing to do during the day in between. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting another job and I went off to be interviewed. I interviewed to be an editor at this place called new band TV. And so I get hired at this place, new band TV as an editor. 
I'm booking shows at the alley, going to that at night, and then on the weekends and whenever <laughs> there's shoots, yeah. I'm working for on Derek on Derek sets. Busy, busy, and trying to write treatments to book my own projects at the same time. And and were you still in the band, your own band? Um, at this point, I think my my band ended up fizzling out and yeah, breaking yeah. up somewhere in the middle of there. Gotcha. Um, which was fine because I had all this other stuff going on, and so that uh, led to um, yeah. So I was booking shows. And then I would, which I'm pretty sure you booked. You probably booked my band. I played there multiple times. I'm sure I did. And I saw multiple people with shirts. His band is called Miss Delphia. No, no, that was that was Lopez. That's Lo- Lopez's, that's band. Lopez's band. Mine was Adrina. We were Adrina. That's we right. Were, I, we I, were did terrible. Book, I did book that band. Yeah, um, Miss Delphia was leagues above us. So <laughs> we, um, so I would meet bands actually. So because I was a talent buyer, yeah, bands would reach out to me and like ask to play the venue, and then that I would get. I would get si- sometimes sizable bands, mm-hmm. and then I would just go, hey, how about this? How about you come get interviewed at New Band TV? I can also shoot a music video for you, and we can do all of it within like two days, unless you're, because we're getting bands from like San Francisco or yeah. wherever, but I was now getting introduced to these people, mm-hmm. and I started building a nice little reel of projects for myself at this time, because I was using all of these tools Mm-hmm. to kind of work together to like in, in you know I could book a bigger band to come play at the alley for like 250 bucks and then also offer them like hey I'll shoot a music video for you little yeah and then co- or come to new band TV and I'll also interview you that's that it yeah bands anything extra yeah. yeah and so that was like sort of my ecosystem for a bit and then that's I ended huge. up yeah. realizing that I wanted to go full-time back into just just production and I left um, the alley and I was just working at new band TV mm-hmm. at some point so, new band, uh, and then how long did maybe did Anthem start? How long well, after that? So I was time. so I was an editor at New Band TV. Then mm-hmm. I became chief creative officer. Then I became chief operations officer. So Going by the right time, I, yeah, yeah. so by the time I left that, I was running the place. Um, we were trying, we were doing music videos all the time here and there. Mm-hmm. But then um, a little thing happened in two thousand eight where our economy completely collapsed and crushed. That doesn't help. Yeah. yeah. So. I was completely out of work. Mm. The guy that owned New Band TV um, was a mortgage. Bro- uh, I think it was a mortgage broker or something. Something to do with mm-hmm. mortgage. I don't know. He had this crazy big office. He drove a crazy expensive car, and he was pumping tens and thousands of dollars into this pet project called New Band TV. Yeah, and it wasn't probably producing much we were, revenue. We were making any revenue. Yeah, wow. Like we would, we were sponsoring tours, and we were doing all kinds of crazy stuff that mm-hmm. I had kind of set up, but we yeah. were not, we had such a small amount of ad revenue at that point. Mm-hmm. And YouTube had come up with starting to kind yeah. of take over as this was happening. And then the economy collapses and it's like, there's no way this is going to continue. Yeah. So we ended up closing new band TV or I, I ended up walking away from it and then it, it closed. closed. Um, so, so from there, uh, I was just out of work. I had nothing. Um, I was just kind of taking whatever projects or things that came my way. Yeah. Um, I would say from 2008 to 2011, like I just kind of floated by for those couple years. Project by project. Just whatever came, you know, I was editing, I was doing anything I could to just, you know, pay rent and not eat top ramen. Yeah. So I had good months, I had bad months, and in along that way I was still getting some projects. Like I was still getting some directing projects. 
I was still working, but it wasn't quite, I was doing a lot more before. And yeah. then, you know, years later, I'm obviously doing a lot more again. But yeah. those couple years where the economy was down, um, it was really tough. And it was really tough for everybody. It wasn't just me. It was like the yeah. whole, obviously the whole country. Mm-hmm. But from, as a director, like every, the budgets shrank. So people that were doing bigger projects didn't know how to survive. And so there wasn't- Very much like what's happening right now. And yeah. yeah, and like it was sort of just this, fluttering thing of you know not having the money to do what you actually want to be able to do and the budgets are so small and um you know you're not actually making money doing those projects and so it it was challenging uh but i kind of figured out my own avenue um i started getting some random you know content projects from record labels and um you know pretty sizable budget projects to do content for the for labels but not actually music videos okay and then some music videos would come here and there yeah um but a lot i had started this um entity at some point <laughs> along the way called anthem yeah so when i left new band tv the the thought was well maybe i could do something similar because i've been doing the same thing and i saw how it worked I learned and so I was, much yeah i learned a lot i was like okay maybe we could do something similar and i was like it'd be great if we called it anthem tv I was like, Anthem TV would be a cool name. It's the anthem for our generation. Let's let's go forward with this new thing. Like mm-hmm. we are leading the charge. It doesn't have to be have a dumb name like New Band TV. <laughs> it's it's leading a charge. It's the anthem. It could be anything. Yeah. And we could do the same system, but make it smaller and try and make money. Learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that fizzled really quick. We decided really fast. We're like, okay, we just don't. We're not going to be able to raise the money we need to be able to do this the right way. And yeah. so. I was like, and it's still like this name Anthem. And like, let's, I'm gonna turn this, I'm gonna use this name. So from that moment forward, I, I started using the ter- the name Anthem Productions. Just under you. Under me. Of, yeah. Like, so whenever I would submit an invoice, it always said Anthem Productions, but it always say payable to DJ Bronner. One of the best classes yeah. I ever took was, I accidentally took it in college. It was for, um, it was more for like drawing, like um, what do you call that, like visual Photoshop stuff. Uh-huh. And Graphic design? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And I told the guy, I was like, I don't know how I got in this class. It's somehow my music stuff. Um, I do video. Like, what can I do? He's like, oh, that's cool. Well, I'll do my format around you. And he basically made me start my Ram Art and Media. That was my project at the end. And it was basically the same thing. as like, just down the road for maybe legal purposes, it's better to have you under an umbrella than it being your name and your production. So I just kind of ran with it. And yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was just some random entity that wasn't anything. (laughs) Uh, But it was, it gave me, you know, made me feel more, you know, credible. Yeah. And I booked a bunch of projects, you know, I I shouldn't say I booked a bunch, but I booked a handful of projects for the next couple of years that Mm -hmm. were, um, good and they got me other work but I was I still hadn't really officially started Anthem Films yet gotcha in 2009 I you know at that point I've been using this name Anthem for two years uh, I decided I was like well I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this into a corporation I'm gonna actually do this legit and I'm gonna make this something at that point I was really hiring a lot more people to work under me Mm -hmm. um, whether it was people to help with some of these content projects I was doing or staff on music videos that I was directing or whatever I was getting really tired of using my personal bank account for everything (laughs) and um, I really needed it to be something more legit and there wasn't you know I I had tried to get signed as a director at some other production companies Mm -hmm. and um, I got signed to one and that just ended up not really working out 
there was only a handful of like the boutique production companies at that point. Now we have tons and tons and tons of them. Yeah. But at that time, there was not that many, and not that many doing what I did because we had all these tentpole companies that collapsed when the, one because like I mean, the music industry collapsed and mm. the budgets collapsed, but then the, then the economy collapsed on top of that. Yeah. Like you know, a couple of years later, so we all those companies were gone and there's only a few people doing it mm-hmm. and so i created um you know anthem films and i but the really the biggest catalyst to for me was i started to turn jobs down i was getting enough work maybe and sometimes work that was competing with other work yeah. you know like both things shooting on one day and like well i I'm like why am i turning this down like i need to i need to have an opportunity i need to turn this into yeah. an actual you know money generating project for me yeah and so um that's when i started signing other directors i started talking to more editors and people to have to be, have like a bigger ecosystem beyond myself and um that's how i built anthem so from there I brick by brick basically yep. yeah it was in my bed i started in my bedroom and now and then then you moved into this office well, no, yeah. So, do you have another one before this one? So, um, so Anthem Films. Yeah. I started it in my apartment in Irvine. Irvine. Oh, I didn't know it was way down there. Okay. Well, so originally, yeah, that was when it was before it was anything, and then I moved to LA. Yeah. Um, and I started it in my apartment, which is probably from where we are right now, a four-minute drive away, and then I moved it to my. I got a moved it to two different houses but in each of those houses i was able to like actually have like a physical space in an those, office office an office, yeah. office not just in your bedroom yeah, yeah. not just in my bedroom yeah and then i decided i was like i need to get out of there i need like a real place for people Separate to come and your life from the, yeah and at this point i'm doing a lot of projects and like, you're probably having lots of people coming over and that's lots of people coming yeah. over i mean like it's annoying i i was directing at that point maybe i would say at least six projects a year, which is not a ton, but we were doing a lot of other stuff too. Yeah. And I was now producing for some other directors and like, so we, we we're doing, oh man, six isn't quite enough, probably at least once, one a month, but a varying scale and size. For a director even now, that's still like yeah. kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, so I started looking for property around where I lived at that time I was, couple blocks closer to where we are now Mm -hmm. and this building that we're in right this second um had was a was a um psychologist's office and they had a room for rent which is right right there yeah yeah and so i uh rented that room for 500 bucks (laughs) it was not a fun place to be because there was so many rules here because it was a psychologist's office oh right and so I rented that space and I uh, started to, I had got an intern working with me there and like we were, I had an editor working in there. So um, obviously you knew my friend Brett Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Brett was editing out of that room with me. Mm-hmm. Brian Jansen was coming over here and coloring. We were doing a ton of work out of this little tiny room. Wow. Um, I'm writing treatments. I'm like having meetings with, with directors in this tiny little friigging office space. Yeah. All my equipment's in there. I brought everything I owned into this space. So I got it <laughs> I out of my house. room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. it was something. And then I bought a house and my house is just two blocks away from where we are right now. Right. And I had a big office space. This is in 2011, 12 in my, or had a big basement space that I was like, well, this could be my office. It's sizable. It's 
it was 500 square feet. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is a great little space. Like, let's just turn this into my office. And that is really what's catapulted Anthem Films into what Anthem Films became. Oh, wow. Because that space um, had purpose. It had reason. It was big. We had room for people. We could have proper production meetings in there. And you were saving $500 a month. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so like really like that's when things really started to change. Like wow. at that point we were doing projects and a lot of projects I was directing and some smaller stuff. And mm -hmm. you know, we, there wasn't, it, it wasn't really a company at that point. It was just me. Mm -hmm. It was me doing stuff Yeah, and whatever stuff I could do. Whatever and, you get your hands on. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. At and, some point. and so, um, but the but this basement space was like this is Anthem Films' office. Yeah. Like this was like our office. It was my house. And at the time, um, Brian Jansen, who is a director of photography, great guy. Great. Yep. Wonderful Love human being. Yeah. Um, he lived with me. And um, I my didn't know that. Uh, yep. My other friend Bob Bradley. Um, oh yeah. I think Bob's actually how we met. I don't think so. I think so. Because I didn't know Bob back then. I didn't meet Bob till I was in Greater Heights. And but that's around then. No, that was like five years later or four years later. Well, when like we like started, when we really connected. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about like the alley and stuff. No, 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 no. no, 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 no right, right, right. When right. we really connected was because of Bob. Yeah, yeah. Because he, uh, he was our publisher for a yeah. while. Yeah. So Bob. Great guy. Worked in my basement too. Oh, wow. I didn't, okay. I didn't know that either. And so he was having bands come in all the time and like. Here I am as a director, I'm booking a, a ton more work. Yeah. Like my, my portfolio's big and there's money happening again. The music industry is shifting. Yeah. So there's a lot more projects happening. And then I've got this great director of photography that's my roommate. I have um, I have Bob who's a music publisher, and we just have like we just have this Team. cool little office thing happening. Yeah. And from there, uh, we we realized um, I was like, we need to get out of this office space getting too big for the basement getting too big for this space yeah. we had i mean we we were editing movies like feature films out of there wow. we're coloring projects i mean this Everything. is a, this is a yeah. burgeoning little space mm -hmm. um and at this point we're doing maybe three four projects a month um you know my roster of directors had grown to that point to like 10 or 11 directors wow, yeah so like i mean this is a this is a legitimate production company yeah that's in my basement of my house and so uh, I start looking for spaces, and then the space that we're sitting in right now is yeah. the um, psychology center had left, and this space is now available. And right. I was like, "Oh, cool!" And the rent was dirt cheap. Yeah, back like, then, yeah, it was like two thousand dollars. And so we, I decided to move, move the operations here. Mm -hmm. At this point, I have an employee. I actually had two employees at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, two employees and then just this general creative ecosystem that we had going on. Yeah. And so we moved everything here. Uh, I had, um, we had a edit suite. We had, um, it's a little our, different now than back then, right? Yeah. They, there was they, a they bunch remodeled of models. Yeah. It, it wasn't as actually as yeah, echoey I, back then. I didn't know it. Yeah. I didn't know it back then. Um, so we, yeah, so this is my office for a couple years and yeah. then, um, Anthem just started growing and growing and growing, and we moved out of this space and then moved into the space that you've been into before on Hyperion. a much bigger space, and our roster changed and shifted and grew and developed. And that was my film school. Yep. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And then I realized, and then I had a kid, and 
then I realized I didn't want to do Anthem anymore. This mm. thing that I kind of didn't actually intend to be a company became a company, and it was, even though it's like my baby, and it's yeah. this thing that I developed, it, I got to a point with it where it it just what I I wasn't enjoying it anymore. Mm-hmm. I get you. Too many. We had too many staff. There was too much expectation out of me and out of the company and. I got to a point where I'm like, this isn't, this was never like, I never set this up to be what it became. Yeah. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, I can't, can't go back. Like it's I just, already... I just don't want to keep trying to do this. And mm. we were just a full fledged music video production company. That's all we were. Yeah. That's all we were known for. And we really had a good start in like screamo music and emo music. And though I love all of that music still to this day, I didn't want our company to be the screamo, the screamo music, music video production company. Yeah. And some people th- saw us that way. And, it was hard to get into commercials, mm-hmm. and even though we were doing commercial work, I and, liked it because then I got to yeah. work on Taking Back Sunday and Coheed and Cambria stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we did great projects, and yeah. I'm really proud of some of the stuff we did, both commercial and music video. But um, ultimately, I just decided for my own mental health and sanity, I needed yeah. to do something different. And, and you're so, probably missing your kid a lot. I mean, how? I mean, working on projects after projects, you're directing, you're also producing. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a busy place. I remember when I first, you know came into those offices and I looked around like everyone's working. It's a cool office. And I was like, yes, this is where I want to be. Yeah. I mean, it, it really was what I yeah. had envisioned it. I think like the goal that I had finally, I started to have with it, it became yeah. and that, and I had a moment where I, I mean, almost as like you hear of someone saying in like a movie or something, but like I had that moment where I just sat there and I go, well, I did it. I did what I set out to do. And then I go, do I actually want this? Yeah, it's not, this, it doesn't feel as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it just I needed something different. And yeah. So here we are. It's a tough contender. Yep. So it was about did you give it about a year in between? How long was no, it? No, no, was it longer? Just a couple months. Oh, okay. So um, it felt like longer. <laughs> <laughs> Jan. So it. I decided in August of two thousand. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Around March of 2018, I started to really feel the grumblings of wanting to do something different. My daughter mm-hmm. was two years old. Um, I I was feeling like I wasn't a great dad at that point. I wasn't a great husband. I was stressed out a lot. I mean, we it's just running a business in general is stressful. As much as much fun as I was having, I could see the stress in like you guys, like you and Fleck and Nicole and like. Oh yeah. I was happy to be there, and they're like, "What's up? What do you need?" Like, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's what it was. I mean, because yeah. we were just churning out so much work yeah. so often, and I really enjoyed the uh, to this day. I mean, I'm proud of the stuff that we did. I'm proud of the work, proud of the creatives we worked with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've gone to do we we got to do a lot of really amazing work at that company that when I first had started it in my bedroom in Irvine as just this weird entity, I didn't expect it to get to where it did. I truly never did. Mm -hmm. I started it with just as a thing for myself. Just to pay the bills kind of too, right? Yeah, just to... But at the same time, your passion. You, my pay, I, I my want passion. to make money while doing my passion, not working yeah. at a drive-thru, right? you know? Yeah, and then it, and then it became, it just became too much. And like yeah. our, our landlord um, was changing we got a new landlord. We were negotiating a new lease, and I was like, really feeling like, do yeah, I really I want this? I remember do I really you saying want like, uh, you guys were in a model and everything. I was like, oh, that's gonna be cool. And the next thing you know, you guys moved out. I was like, what happened to the remodel? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was I think the straw that broke the camel's back right. for me. Yeah, um, it looks completely different than it, yeah, it did before. I, yeah, I, I, I'm sitting there with the brand new lease that we were about to sign for mm-hmm. five years, and I, I mean, we'd been negotiating for months and yeah. months and months, and. 
I sat there and I go, do I actually want this to just keep doing this same company for the next five years in this space? Yeah. And I, then I go, actually, do I even want to do this anymore? And I had just lost, and also I had just lost my dad, um, new dad, just lost my, my dad. And I'm just in a different headspace as a human being. And it's a big moment. It's a big, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot and a lot to kind of unpack all at once. And so really for me, for my mental health, my benefit as a human being, I had to close the company. Yeah. Um, and I'm really helpful. And I'm, honestly, I'm so thankful that I did because I, I more or less did a full 180 after that. Mm-hmm. And um, I... I felt like I was getting further and further away from the projects we were doing because we were doing so many and it was, mm-hmm. it, it became just this machine of project after project and I wasn't even paying attention to some of the projects and then some would get finished and I go, oh, that we did that? I don't even remember doing that. <laughs> and which is, which yeah. is actually like a good thing to have happened in, in some ways, but yeah. then I was losing control and lo- lo- not that, not control, losing, losing the passion for what the work was. No, I, I was you. just paying more attention to Okay, cool. What's the budget for this one? Oh, what's Business. the budget for this one? What's the budget for this one? Yeah. Okay, great. Let's do it. <laughs> and and not and not in love with the work and not yeah. caring about the work and um, not being as hands on with the directors as I really wanted to be sometimes. So what's so what's your main motivation now with Tough? What's what's your new approach versus Anthem? Well, I think from in a lot of ways, I, know, I by the way, we're back at the oh yeah, office. so yeah, we're so, back. <laughs> so I've this is my third time being in yeah. this building. I mean, it works out really well for me personally because my house is two blocks away. Do you I walk can, here? Yeah, pretty okay. much every day. Yeah, um, so I can walk here. Uh, there's great food around. I mean, it, and it's got this office has got just a cool ice vibe. cream shop right down below, just in case. But yeah. it's not very good. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but there's a there is a great bar down there. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, this new back in this back in the um, the new old yeah um, so really when we so oh so we closed Anthem in April officially mm-hmm. and launched Tough Contender in July I lost a lot of work just what I lost a lot of work but it's okay <laughs> yeah I mean we we definitely um, no I'm grateful yeah I, I I luckily had a job in, in Orange County at a warehouse that allowed me to like I need this day off tomorrow and they would let me. But yeah, I think I was working at Anthem on projects probably once a week, maybe yeah. every two weeks. Like it was back to back to back. Yeah, yeah we yeah. did. We were at it. So that, that, that's kind of the problem. We, we had to do 12 projects. I liked it. We yeah. had to do 12 <laughs> projects a month of a certain budget range yeah. just to keep going. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of projects. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously if we did like a big gigantic project one month, then obviously we don't have to do 12 projects, but Ultimately, we were doing like 12 to 13, 14 projects a month. That's crazy. And and then, you know, some some months, not as many, but yeah. that's a lot of projects. And I'd have to turn down some sometimes yeah. for you guys. Yeah. So, so really the biggest goal and the motivation beyond my own mental sanity um, and my mental health and wanting to be a better dad and be able to spend more time with my kid and to, to be more, more active in her life, um, I really just didn't want to be a music video production company anymore. I wanted to have a, a entity that was more focused on commercial production and putting efforts into that space in a different way than Anthem was and could do. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthem was a big beast and, but we were, we were having trouble going into commercials as from like a, as a commercial production company. Is it cause the clients looked at you guys as a music video production and not a commercial? Yeah. Kind of thing? And it was hard. It was just hard to get the conversation started in I the right you. way. And so 
what, it's a whole different animal. Yeah, like, I, I know from experience on the music video set versus like a commercial set. Like it's a different vibe. Yeah, yeah. it's a different vibe. It's it's just a different bidding process. It's a it's just and and we knew, we were doing it, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't what we were. And mm-hmm. so, what we so Max Rose, who I partnered with when we started Tough Contender. Shout out, shout out to Max. Um, I didn't want to do another company by myself. I didn't want to be the sole owner of, of a business, um, not because they couldn't handle it. Yeah, I've owned a lot of businesses over the years, but I really wanted a partner in crime in in this world and have someone that had my back and someone that I could have their back and not be doing this because production's hard. Production takes a lot out of you. Yeah, and I didn't. I, I really wanted to have. Um, I wanted to have a smaller team that could be more more ninja like because we couldn't be ninja like at Anthem. Sometimes we were, but yeah, I hear you. Like, yeah, I mean, there's definitely like some $5,000 projects that I don't yeah. want to admit that we did, but... Um, <laughs> that I produced, yeah. <laughs> but we definitely did some of those, and it... But here at Tough, you know, our focus is commercial production. We mm-hmm. are a commercial production company that also does music videos. Almost, so we yeah. do music videos because our directors like music videos. Mm-hmm. It's where we come from. I, it's it's our world. It. Yeah. yeah, it's our world. It's our ecosystem, and and I don't ever want to say no to that. And now we're we're kind of at this weird time where um, music video directors are not being overlooked by commercial directors. It's kind of becoming more okay. synonymous with one another, mm-hmm. and everyone's doing everything. Now, everyone's doing everything yeah. exactly. So I um, so I started tough with the objective to be a commercial production company and focus our efforts in that space and yeah. that's really where we are today um, we still do music videos but we um, we're right. s- smaller yeah. smaller team smaller company we're more nimble mm-hmm. um, you know I always I've been saying this now uh, Anthem would never have been able to make it through this pandemic mm. you know there's a lot of companies out there that are not able to make it through this because they're too big or, you know, I would have really hated, I mean, it was one thing to let go of your employees because you're deciding to close a company. Yeah. It's a different thing to go, hey, I have to furlough you yeah. because I don't know if we're ever going to work again. Yeah. It's like I, I closed my company because I needed to close my company and I wanted to close my company. Mm-hmm. But and, and letting go of those people, I mean, it, people. It's a tough it, decision. But, but God, had we been in the, in no the middle way. of the pandemic and yeah. then had this gigantic lease that I was and planning to do. I'm sure you guys do. are still struggling now too. I mean, you're not, you're not immune to this, right? Nobody's immune to it, yeah. but, but we're, but we are Luck. nimble and able to ma- manage it just fine. Nice. And to be fair, it's really not affected us that drastically. Well, that's good. So, so that's, it's nice to be now, um, you know, we're just back to working and yeah. doing it. I want to get into that in a sec. Um, cause yeah, the future of the film industry is just up in the air right now. Um, but yeah, like, oh, oh, what I was going to ask you is, so music videos and commercials, are you guys going to do short films and movies at all? It just yeah. depends on if it's like a, something you guys really want to yeah. love and get into. S- something that Anthem was really working towards, towards the end of it, was really putting efforts into original content. Yeah. We made quite a bit, which, which is, most of it's still out there in the world, and, and we're still, you know, I still, the company still sort of exists as a shell for those projects. Mm-hmm. Um, here at Tough, it's definitely not our focus. Mm-hmm. Um, really my focus isn't spreading ourselves thin with in a, in a bunch yeah, of different places. It's a little bit. That said, we've been a part of some doc projects and we've helped with some short films here and there. Yeah. Um, and I think that we will continue to do so in some fashion. It's just, um, it's definitely not our focus as I a company. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I think there's a lot of great companies that do a lot of everything. Um, right now, we just don't have the manpower to do that, and mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want the manpower to do it at this time. Yeah. It just makes sense for us to stay in the lane that we're good at and just focus in that lane. Because you guys are still, I mean, other than Anthem, Tough is still kind of a baby. You guys well, all- but that's part of the whole. That's also part of the whole beauty of starting this new company. We were able to now go to all the commercial reps all the different advertising agencies and yeah. we're now this new company. Yeah. Anthem wasn't a new company at that point. Right. But now we're a new company. So mm-hmm. we get to go to all these people and say, Hey, you've never heard of us, but here's all this great work that we've we've yeah. done because we've been doing it. Yeah. So that was a really great benefit. It also made it a lot easier for us to start, you know, keep directors and sign new directors was mm-hmm. because we were already we've already been doing it. Yeah. Um but I don't I don't really want to um, take ourselves out of where we're good yeah. and try to do too much because that's when you start to so try and do too much, yeah. you start to fall apart. You don't want the, yeah, don't don't want want the anthem feels anymore. I get yeah, you. Yeah. Um, all right. So like the future of film industry, like I, you know, with the COVID and we took the uh, COVID compliance test and everything. And I've been on, I've only been on two sets so far and they've both been tough. So I've learned from you guys. Um, what do you, how do you see a film set working nowadays? You know, I know, I know a different product, a commercial versus music video and that's going to be different, but in, in yeah, general. so it, it's really hard to answer that question in a way that I think, um, really answers, answers what you're asking. Cause no one really, yeah, no one really knows. No one really knows. I, I think what we're not all aware of is just how hard this um, upcoming recession is going to really hit us mm-hmm. because we have this pandemic that we just went through, but now we're, we're rolling right into a new recession. That's right. going to probably be catastrophic. And I don't know what that's going to look like for our company, for music, for commercials, for brands yeah. and for filmmaking. I don't know what that's going to look like. So I don't, and I don't know what COVID's effects on all that's going to be. What, what I see ultimately is um, COVID-19 has, um, is to do this the right way, you need to spend money and you need to spend time to make sure that your projects are able to be COVID-19 compliant. And which, so, pro- which projects already were low on budgets and low on time. So, I mean, that's... Well, yeah, that's and that's like the biggest thing. It's like, now we yeah. need more time. Everything needs more time because we need to be able to instruct our cast and crew at the beginning of every day on how to operate appropriately. Mm-hmm. We need to be sanitizing our hands. We need to be washing our hands. We need to be disinfecting our equipment. And we need time to be able to do that. And Safely. And safely. Yeah. And, it's, and it's hard, and it's not easy, and it's easy to forget, and it's not yeah. what we're all used to. And even... I've been teaching a COVID-19 compliance officer training class um, for the last few months. Um, and Are you still been, doing it? Oh, yeah. Oh, still going. Okay, great. Had one yesterday. Have one tomorrow. Nice. Um, so they're, they're going a lot. Yeah, the, we've kind of revamped it and we keep updating it. And, oh, okay. And it's... Yeah, because things keep changing. Yeah, things yeah. keep changing. But what I've even witnessed, even on our own productions, is... It's so easy for this to not happen. It's so easy for this, these things to not be enforced. It's so yeah. easy for us to forget. You go back into the same old. It's f- being on masks set. start to come off because people aren't feeling they're feeling like they need to take it off or whatever. And and not to say that like we're not doing our job to try to be COVID compliant on mm-hmm. every every shoot. It's just easy for these things, the, these protocols to slip. Yeah. And you need time and you need thought 
brought in early on a project to be able to stay COVID safe. Yeah. And when you start talking about, you know, how does this really affect the creative on projects and things? Well, I mean, one big thing is we can't have big crowds anymore. Yeah. We can't have shoots with where, extras with and, tons of extras, and yeah. we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be cramming people into, you know, buses and RVs and and passenger vans and shuttling them days. around. And yeah. <laughs> we can't be putting a twenty-five person crew in a two hundred square foot room anymore. Yeah. So like we filmmakers are are not thinking about this. Um, they just want to make stuff. They just want to make stuff. It's the producer's responsibility, the executive producer, the head of production, and the COVID-19 compliance officer's responsibility to remind everybody that you need to be able to um, operate safely. And doing so means rethinking how you do your projects. But ultimately, I have a feeling that we're going to get hit really quick with a lot of filmmakers being out of work Mm -hmm. and out of work for a lot longer than any of them thought that they were going to be. Yeah. I think we're, in a, and I really, truly say this with all the love in my heart for all the creatives out there because I've worked with, met, hung out with tons of them yeah. over the years. I don't want anything bad to happen to any person that I've ever met, but unfortunately, like we're going to start, where there's going to be an effect here soon where there's going to be less work. Yeah. I mean, we're already feeling it, but yeah, but even more so. It's going to be even more. Yeah. Businesses are going under... Agencies are going under, production companies are going under, like, you know, brands aren't going to be spending the same money. Brands are not making money right now. So they're not spending money right now. Yeah. I mean, sure, there's brand. I I said that made this joke at the beginning of quarantine where like Procter & Gamble is going to do really great. They're going to keep making work. And they have been Mm -hmm. because they supply, they make all the cleanings products. So they're doing fine. But then you look at like brands where let's say it's, you know, an Adidas or a Vans or a um, Lululemon or like these brands where you don't actually need this stuff. Yeah. You're buying it out of, out of a want and we're all living off of need. Yeah. We're we're not even need, but like, well, I guess it's need. But but people are living off of unemployment and spending money that they don't have. And once that all kind of goes away, it's going to really change the landscape for a lot of people out there. Do you see like visual artists kind of having a little bit of not a Renaissance, but like they're going to flourish these guys sitting at home being able to make cartoons and stuff on their laptop. I mean, I could see that happening, right? Yeah. I think anybody that can create art from their house or from their home doing well, that's going to be the thing. It's just a matter of how long that they're able to keep people's attention spans, you know, but you have to think like, I had a great conversation with a good friend of mine yesterday and he's a comedian and you know, he's like, he made a good point that I've never even thought of. He's like all these improv comics and stand-up comics, they're just out of work. And now they're trying to move towards like Patreon and like these other platforms, but how long are you going to keep people's attention span? Yeah. And if you're not getting onto TV shows and in movies and things, and then if there's less of those happening, yeah, we don't know how production is really going to be affected in, you know, six months. It might be totally fine. We're right back to where we were Mm -hmm. because content is king. We need content or there's just going to be a different version of content. Yeah. It's going to be cheaper. We're going to go back to that. You know, when the recession hit and the writer strike hit reality television became king because it was cheap to make and it was entertaining and got people watching. So that might become where we're back to like, you know, it might, it might not be these gigantic (laughs) 
you know, beautifully shot shows yeah, all yeah. the time because now it's about making things cheaply for a while to start making money and again. a lot more CGI to fill in the people and the, oh, yeah, yeah, wherever they're filming it on. Yeah. Yep. Hard to say. I I chose the music industry and it was terrible. Now I chose the film industry. It's terrible. Well, the music industry is terrible right now. I gotta, I gotta like turn into a welder or something. Um, just a, before we kind of wrap up a little bit, I wanted to mention a few videos that I've worked on that you've directed that I've, I've really liked. We mentioned Hailstorm, uh, the Coheed and Cambria one. Uh, what was high, high time? What was it called? Um, high, uh, the song was called you got spirit kit. Rad times, but I but we called the video Rad Times yeah. at. Um, it was like a fast play. It was at Ridgemont High, kind but of. Rad Rad Times at. Not Coheed High. Why am I forgetting? It was a it was a like Coheed a reference. reference. Yeah, 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 I'm forgetting right now. Um, that was my first key PA job. Which oh, that nice. was. I remember getting the call from Ray Blanco going, "Holy shit!" Like that was, it was that was one deal. of my. Can I talk about the video for a second? Yeah. That, so that Coheed and Cambria video is probably one of my favorite videos I've ever directed. Wow. Um, f- uh, this guy, Chris Fleck or Fleck or Chris Fleck Hernandez, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> Armory uh, high. Sorry. Oh yeah. Rad Armor- times at Armory high. Rad times at Armory high. That's right. So Chris, you got spirit um, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Chris and I wrote that concept together. There was a period of time where like he helped me write concepts and we wrote that one together. He, he's got a great comedic voice and like we, we knew him and I definitely like knew the genre that we were trying to write that mm-hmm. con- that treatment for, and he knocked it out of the park like writing the copy for it. Mm-hmm. And I had booked the job. Then my wife gave birth to our child. That's right. And I was on another shoot when I found out that she was going to have the baby two weeks early. <laughs> and then we ended up. So we booked this job and I had to like push the shoot because of some, something happened with, oh no, my daughter ended up in the um, NICU at the hospital mm-hmm. for two weeks cause she had jaundice. And so she, anyway, um, we ended up pushing the shoot to mm-hmm. a later date because of that. Mm-hmm. And we still got to make the video and what we decided, my DP, um, Yuki Naguchi and I decided another great DP, great DP. Yeah. We wanted the video to just jam through as many of the scenes and shots and ideas that we had written and as many things that I had wanted to pull off as we possibly could. And so, and to do some things bigger and smaller than other things. So our budget was pretty small on that project and we decided to shoot it over two days Mm -hmm. so that we could just get, make every single scene happen. That was my first two day shoot too as well. (laughs) And, and we decided that we were not going to really have any, any equipment or any gear because we're like, okay, if we have a lot of gear, then we're not going to be able to do all these scenes and we're going to end up lighting everything. And Mm -hmm. so we were like a high school looks like a high school. The entire video is basically an eighties, um, homage to, you know, your typical teenage heist movie from the eighties. Yeah. And, um, so we shot for two days with barely any equipment so that we could shoot all the scenes that we wanted to shoot. And we, I mean, we shot every single room at this high school. I'm going through my head (laughs) on all of them. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we wanted a bunch of extras. And so like to make it feel as real and as authentic as possible. And for like the, how small the budget was, I mean, we just knocked that video out of the park. Do you remember how much? Curious. It was like a $40,000 budget. That's yeah. That's for what you guys came out with. That's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, Two days, Uh, two days. 
And then my, my daughter had just come out of the hospital. And so she came to set one of the days with my wife. I remember that. And that was really fun. I mean, they had to drive pretty far because this was in Palisades. Palisades. Yeah. So, and I live in Echo Park. So, <laughs> uh, quite the hefty drive. For, and I think my wife forgot her bottle or something. So that was like a painful part of that. But On top of that. But yeah. man, that there's been times in my career where you just go, we did it exactly how we wanted it to be, and mm -hmm. we shot it exactly what we wanted. We got all the little bits. Maybe the lighting's not the most dynamic or like cinematic as possible. The performance shots are though. The but performance like, shots are good. But in the classroom, you don't need that. Yeah, and like, but we just wanted it to. We wanted it to be what it was, mm -hmm. and it everything came off perfectly. Um, there's some VFX shots in there that you know help sell some of the scenes, and we we just. We did it, and we did it quickly, and we were ninjas about it. Yeah, it was. And yeah. <laughs> it came together in post perfectly. Uh, we almost had too much. We had to cut. We actually cut a scene because we couldn't fit it in because we because we had so much going on. Was and basically there was like a whole thing where like so the idea is that Coed and Cambria play. Um, teenagers in this video and but they're full grown men but around. they're full grown men <laughs> yeah. and kind of like a wet hot uh, wet hot yeah. American summer vibe and exactly. then but then the actual band Coed and Cambria plays at this high school so there was like a scene where like the band's loading in that we decided that we didn't have well one didn't have time to shoot uh -huh. and two didn't have time to put into, into the edit we like had a whole conversation about it, like okay if we can shoot this but it's going to take a little time away from here yeah and then if we shoot it then that means that's more time we have to put in the edit right and i'm like we just can't fit all this stuff it's just there's just no possible way yeah um and that's probably one of the only times in my entire career maybe not the only time but you know it's a memorable moment in my career where um the video commissioner called me and said you know usually you only hear in people say um you only hear when there's something bad he's like i wanted to let you know that you knocked it out of the park you killed it yeah. like we're all so stoked on this project and mm -hmm. stoked on everything you did here um he's like he's like you know usually we're getting you're getting the people get the bad phone calls they don't get the good ones yeah. i just wanted you to know that like we that's are a, over the moon there yeah, yeah. As a Coed fan, I loved I mean, not only the fact I was hanging out with these guys and I was fanboying out the whole time, but then after seeing it, I was like, yeah, that's what a Coed and Cambria, it's supposed to be funny and, and rock and, and adventurous, yeah, and that's it was, the band. It was, yeah. a, it was just a fun project. Yeah. Um, so we'll just wrap it up really quick. Uh, I was, Take It Back Sunday was a great one. Uh, Fever 333. These are the bands that I love listening to, and then getting the fact of work on it is just like a, a fun fanboy part, like I said. But one of um, two, three videos that you directed that I really liked that I wasn't on, the Scars on 45, Crazy For You. Oh, yeah. The guy coming out of himself. Yeah, yeah. I watched that today. What, what is the what is the story? Like, what is the metaphor? Is it just, is it the, the person inside of you that you're hiding and then... I was trying to think it's, 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 it's deep. It's funny. Like, so I, I just, well, I actually wrote that concept for a different band Oh wow! originally. Mm -hmm. And there was a reason why I wrote it for that other band. It went with a song or something. It went with a song yeah. and it was this sort of idea of the song was called, this other song was called like separation or separator. I was oh, like, Oh, okay. it kind of makes sense yeah. for the vibe. Mm -hmm. But I had already worked with scars on 45 and they had called me, and they're like, we've gotten a bunch of treatments in from some other directors, but we want to work with you. Mm -hmm. Like, we want a really fucked up love story. And I was <laughs> like, I've been, I've had this treatment I've been wanting to do right. forever. And so I retooled it a bit for them. Mm -hmm. And the song's called Crazy For You, so it's like a love story, obviously. Yeah. And really my perspective in that is you're, 
oftentimes we're not as confident as we want to be, right? Right. Okay. Like we don't project who we think we are on the inside or we don't, we're just too scared. We're timid or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I can remember all the years when like I was like, you know, liked a girl in high school or college or something like, like, you can you go, you go on a date with me, you know? <laughs> Same here. And so I still do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> so you're lucky you're married. I still got to do that. <laughs> uh, so I, and I think for me personally, like I wrote that concept originally, like in a time when like I was actually feeling like a lot more confident in my life and my art right. and my, like who I was as a person. And, um, I just met my wife. And so I think that kind of connected pretty well for me. Cause like, I think that I, you know, you can hide within yourself a lot. Mm-hmm. So ultimately like not to make it sound so like, you know, heady, yeah. but it kind of is the concept. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be like a guy who just is alone and feels like he needs to leave himself to become himself. Right. And so, um, that's, and then, spoiler alert, at the end, there's a girl that kind of has the same thing. Yeah. Question, the guy. Yeah. Is it the same guy or is it twins? It's twins. Okay, okay. I was make, I was looking and, you know, the, the five o'clock shadow on the other one of them was... Yeah, one of the guys is like, it's a little bit heavier than the other guy. Okay. But, um, yeah, we practically sh- had him come out. Like, you can't see my hands if you're yeah. watching this. But, <laughs> like, we built, like, a fake body and had... Alien style. One guy go through the other guy <laughs> and then, like, blended it together through post. Yeah. Um, um, and then, uh, so that was like a pretty wild thing to do. And then there's something pretty interesting now that we're talking about that video, mm-hmm. the lead actor. And if you really look at the video, you can see it, but the lead actor has, um, is missing a couple fingers. I thought I saw it. Yeah. But then his other, but then his like brother yeah. doesn't. And uh-huh. I was like, he called me to tell me that like, Hey, I want you to know, like I lost a couple fingers on a project a couple, um, not that long ago. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, is that a deal breaker for you? Uh-huh. And he's like, my brother has both of his hands. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, in a lot of ways that makes it better. Cause you can distinguish. Yeah. The two. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then like, it makes it seem like, Oh, the person that came out of him is like better. Mm-hmm. Oops, sorry. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Better. Sorry. We're almost done here anyway. Better than the other person. Yeah. Um, Real quick, and then a uh, highest highly suspect little one. That one's just like a fun weird. You weren't on that one. No, oh, yeah. that was a fun little one. Um, and then Bear Tooth to go to be the voice. Oh yeah. How did you get that alligator? How was that the first like idea? Just one of these random things with like band performance. I know it's not very heady like last one. It's more of a rock band one. But yeah, I black and white. I was really influenced by Helmut Newton for that video. I don't know him. Uh, photographer, okay. artist. Um, black and white photographer gotcha. prim- primarily. And so that video, uh, I just was sort of like an homage a little bit. Yeah. But like kind of different, I just wanted it to feel odd. Mm. Like I didn't want it to feel like something that you would have for one, that song and one yeah. for that kind of band. You could, I could see those like that same setup in a rap video yeah just like random stuff and the guys rapping but you made it a little bit more like violent like not violent but you know it fit it fit the tone it didn't yeah i wanted to just be i I didn't want to do just like a standard rock video i wanted to like be prettier than that yeah and that's how i presented it to the band and um i had put a alligator on the on the (laughs) um the cover page of my treatment yeah and what they 
they said that there better be a fucking alligator in this video because that's why we're doing it. How much does that cost? No, mm-hmm. not very much. Really? No, it's just a- animals are, are fairly affordable depending on what you're having them do. And right. since that alligator just, just had to get hanging out, and just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. All right. Um, it's been about an hour. Let's wrap this up. Um, I'd love to have back on someday and we talk more like music side than sure. video side. And I also have some other things I want to bug you about, but. Get you out of here. Uh, I don't care. I mean, I can keep talking. Okay. Let's go a little bit further because I'm curious. I've got nothing else to do today except for... Other than fixing my stupid windscreen. I have to feed my kid. You can just leave it down. It sounds fine with that. I have to feed my kid at some point. Um, That's it. One thing I want to... So, I remember being... This is going to sound really douchey but cool at the same time. I remember being rooftop Vegas with you, drunk at some party. Oh, yeah. And I remember just turning to you going, I need some advice. I'm here on, on the rooftop. I want to be a director. What's my, what's your advice? And you said, just go fucking do it. <laughs> that's always kind of rang with me. And at first I was like, that's not what I want to hear DJ. I want to hear like, <laughs> you gotta go, you gotta do the step by step and step and step. But it's always stuck with me. Like, yeah, that's really what all it is. It's just, just go out and fucking do it. And, um, but as long as it's easier said than done, someone, but it is that easy. It is, but, but also not put out just, another chain reaction video and another, you know, acoustic video or something. I want, you know, to get to that next level of a real music video that some, that someone actually not like respects, but like goes, Oh, that's a music video, not just a live performance video with the audio track on top. So not just for me, for other people that are listening to someone that's breaking in PAing, it doesn't have to be a director, but like producer, like, do you think, making those connections on set, meeting the people is probably like the most, one of the more important things to do. You know, I think it goes so many different ways. I mean, obviously for me, it it did really help that I made a connection with somebody who helped helped me. Yeah. But I, I mean, I really found like, I found a friend and a mentor, right? Like this wasn't just some guy at a production company. This was a guy who believed in me and Mm -hmm. liked me. And like, we became buddies and he wanted to help me to do whatever he could to help me. So, I mean, that's a really unique situation, and I think the timing of it was really unique, too. Mm-hmm. But that same sort of thing can happen anywhere, yeah. you know? I, I've luckily... I, I, you're not the only one, no offense, but yeah. I've luckily had some some great relationships with Simeon Design, Kyle, and those guys over there. They've given me lots of work, and they're awesome dudes. I got to work on other bands that I've grown up listening to or still listening to this day, and then... But because of those, I've also, you know, worked on some movies and worked on some other things. So knowing you guys have, has definitely helped me. That's what I, at least that's what I'm trying to say to the younger people listening to is, at least for me, it is the connection. Yeah. And, and just do a good job. Just work really hard. It, it depends what you want to do. I mean, I think if you're, yeah. if you want to be on set, yeah, it, it's meeting somebody and it's yeah. just making the relationships. Like I've, you know, you're not the only person that I've helped out over the years in yeah. a similar capacity. You know, Hugo, Hugo's a good friend of yeah, mine. Right known him for years and he asked me if he could pee on, pee on a shoot because he was in between jobs and mm. he did that and then that rolled into him getting put onto the new girl which then led to another job to yeah. then him becoming head of production at Awesomeness TV. Wow. So like... I gotta hit him up. <laughs> well yeah, he, he, Awesomeness uh, oh, unfortunately... Not around anymore. Kind of closed oh. um, their doors. But, but, um, but I see, but I hear but, you. But yeah, yeah I mean, on, it, 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 it's, that is a relationship based mm. thing. I mean, I, I know that some of the directors be, that I work with because it's relationship based. I, mm. I know some of the editors and the directors of photography and like I talk about um, you know there, I have all these friends that I've had for years that I keep working and I keep recommending them to other people or, yeah. or whatever um, but I think if you if your goal is to be a director and you want to direct 
the only way to be a director is to be a director. Mm-hmm. It's to direct something. There, and I know that sounds like you said easier said than done, yeah. but like it really is that easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you write a concept, write something, and then make it. It doesn't have to be a music video. True. It can be a short film. It could be really anything that shows who you are as a creative. Yeah, and then making it. And there's no way to make some. There's no way to direct something unless you direct something. That's it. So I mean, and that's so, the sober version of what you told me on, <laughs> on the rooftop. But that's but that's, that's the truth. Yeah, I mean, it I really is. And like yeah. it, you know, if you want to be a music video director, I mean, that's a whole other thing. I mean, that is you know, you have. I mean, no matter where you are in the professional space of commercials or music videos, films operate a little differently, but like music videos mm-hmm. and commercials, work begets work. You have yeah. to have work that's sellable and you have to have ideas that move you further. So, you know, there's opportunities in lower budget work to build reels, but you have to have a relationship where someone's gonna kick you stuff if that's the kind of work that they're doing. You know, it, it, for us at Tough, it's a little tricky because we, one, we don't do a ton of music videos, but we definitely yeah. don't do low budget music videos. Um, and Anthem, I had a little bit more flexibility to do that, but here we, we just don't do it. So it's like, if I got like a $10,000 track-in or a $5,000 track-in, mm-hmm. it's like to kick that over to somebody, then now I'm responsible for producing it. Yeah, and so right. that makes it tricky. Um, but in general, like, you know, if, if someone, yeah. if, if that is something that's out there in the world and you want to be a director and these are opportunities for you to there could be opportunities for you you're like, hey, send me the stuff you don't want to do. Send me the stuff you don't want to do. Yeah. Send me the stuff you want to do. And then you have to kill it with your concept. You have to kill it with your treatment. And you have to just be make, make the best possible idea that's doable within the budget yeah. and then do it. Um, early on when you were starting out, like not even I mean, pre-Anthem, cameras, equipment, was it stuff you owned? Did you rent it? Did you, what was your budget? Was it out of your pocket? Was it from the band? Because that's that's something I'm running into now. Is like I am I just budget. Like I can't I can't afford to you know rent cameras and stuff. So that's you know finding a DP that actually helps. But you know what I mean. Like how on a smaller level, how do you stretch that five hundred dollar budget into like a video? You know what I mean. Well, five hundred yeah stuff. Well, what I did in the beginning of my career. Um, I don't even want to call it a career because at that point I'd just say it's a hobby. Yeah. When I was like trying to be a director yeah. um, and I would get bands that wanted to do stuff and they had 500 bucks or 750 bucks mm-hmm. or 1,000 bucks. I actually watched a music video I did years ago for 500 bucks because somebody saw my work and they're like, hey, I've got $500. Will you do something for me? And I was like, you have to get the location. You have to get the actors. You got, I mean, you have to do all of that work. Yeah. And this was at a time when I was willing to, you know, make nothing on this project. Yeah. Well, so, that's, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. So, you know, I owned, um, I owned a decent enough camera. It was right. a DV, DVX 100 by Panasonic, which was like what everybody used back then. And it was an expensive camera in the scheme of things, but it wasn't that expensive. I Compared mean, to like, like a ones, Canon yeah. 5D is more expensive than what that camera was. Yeah. So, um, I used that and then I used that a lot and I shot a lot of stuff with it and, you know, it was quality enough that people yeah. didn't question what that's, it was. That's, that's kind of what I'm running into now. Cause I had, I have a Canon 6D and it was hold enough for enough, but it only shoots 1080 Yeah, and everybody wants 4k plus now. So yeah. I'm running into things where like I, I can shoot it for you, but it's not going to look like what you want it. So, you know, and I, I can't really afford to sell that and buy a brand new $6,000 know, 4k camera. I'm going to give this advice to you and I'll give this advice to anyone else who's listening yeah. who wants to hear this. 
So let's say you got a $500 project from yeah. somebody and you're like, okay, I, how do I do this? How can I make this good? Well, number one, put it on the artist to find you everything you need. That's what I used to do. Okay. I used to say, if you want a project, I mean, no matter what the budget was, I mean, half the time, if it wasn't over five to 10 grand. You felt comfortable giving that, that stuff to them? Like, are you talking about like location and like? Yep. Okay. And the only reason I was comfortable with it was because of how much we had in front of us. Okay. I was like, yes, I will do this for you. I will make something else. But, and maybe you don't give them full control. Yeah. You just say, tell me what you have that, that we can use to make right. this. Do you have an apartment that's cool? Do you have, you know, access to, you mm-hmm. know, the place that you work? Like, whatever it might be so that you can get some space that you can shoot this project in where you don't have to pay for it. Right. Most of the time, that like that's going to go a lot further because it's going to be really hard for you to find free stuff. Yeah. Free locations, free places. But the artists, on the other hand, if they're small and they're, I mean, if, and if they're giving you a five hundred dollar budget, then they are small. Yeah. Like they're going to be able to pull in some favors. Maybe you want if, if you want to you know have a certain actor, then you got to pay for that actor. Yeah. If you want to do whatever. But if you can get them to provide you with the basic necessities of what they want. Yeah. Basically. Or. Maybe it's what you want, but it's what they have. So yeah. maybe at the beginning, of, like before I write a concept, before I figure out what we're going to do, send me a list of all, all your houses, all your locations that you have access to that we could shoot this in. Okay. And I used to do that. And, yeah, I, smart. and I, and to be honest, I've done that throughout my entire career. Whenever like a friend has come Man, to me, what do you got? Yeah. What, what like got we, to, I was working oh. with a, one of the artists that you mentioned earlier that I'm not going to name which one. Okay. Um, we were working on a project during quarantine and trying mm. to figure out, you know, some, uh, something to shoot. Yeah. And I was like, well, look one, I don't want to go out renting locations right now. So, and we don't have quite the money that we usually have for projects together. Right. So what, what do we have access to? Mm-hmm. What do you have? Who do we have? We made a list and we yeah. just sat there and we just dropped down. Okay. My friend owns this. My friend owns this. My, I got this. I got, and we ended up not doing the project, but, yeah. but I mean, I'm doing this with a professional artist yeah. at the height of their career. Um, you know, at, after I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. So that has never crossed my mind. That's yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And, it, and it does go a long way or, or you I think mean, it's in my atmosphere. Like I, yeah, sure. I, I live in a, I live with my grandmother and she has an amazing house and I've definitely shot stuff and want to shoot stuff in her house. So it's, it's in my, my radar, but, but that, but yeah, but that's one really quick way to think about, okay, yeah. now we have a place to shoot. Yeah. Cause I, I'm like, okay, you have this, this and this, you've gotten pictures together and like, okay, I like the picture. I like the way this one looks. So let's, let's shoot there. Mm-hmm. And then you figure out a concept that you can shoot there that is dynamic for you and, Fits, fits you as an artist yeah. and I'm speaking to you across the table from me but what I mean true is all of you out there yeah. in the world and then from there um, I say take that entire rest of that budget and then try and get a favor from a director of photography and ideally someone who owns camera gear okay. or some lighting gear and work with them and say, Hey, I'm really trying Because they need work too. Like, especially as someone that's starting off. Like, yeah. yeah and, and, but you'd be surprised if you think about all the DP, like let's looking at you, Robert, mm-hmm. like think about all the DPs you've worked with over the years. They yeah. know who you are, that you have a decent relationship with mm-hmm. and just go, Hey, I've got 500 bucks. I'm going to give you my entire budget. Here's the location. Here's my idea. Will you bring your camera and will you come shoot with me for the day? Yeah. And it'll, I'll buy you lunch and I'll buy you dinner and like, yeah, I'll do whatever I can do to make this project better. Can you help me? Yeah. And I 
bet you if you ask that of three different people, those three different people would say yes. I, I've had luck. I've actually, yeah. uh, Logan, remember the old intern? Mm-hmm. He, him and I are talking right now. We're trying to set up this music video that this artist hit me up, but that's Oh, yeah, now. Logan came in here uh, not too long, long ago. ago. Yeah, this, this band, I won't mention them, but they're kind of not cat catfishing me, but they're being pretty quiet. I don't know if they've moved on or not, but yeah. So, but I, but, I am, I am doing, but, that. but that's really, I mean, and, and that, and, but I, I, you know, we've named some DPs here in this, yeah. in this thing. And but like, I don't see Yuki and, and even I'm Morrow. not going to, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to talk to these about them, I about so. them. Yeah. But I bet you, if you ask them and they had nothing else going on at that specific day, yeah. they would probably help or you. Or probably have someone that's, wanting to work with them that needs work that's just been around yeah i bet you some of these dps yeah. i mean i've obviously i have a lot behind me in my career so i am yeah. able to ask favors but i've had people shoot short films and whatever for yeah. whatever would not be the normal rate because they're free they want to they you know they're available we have yeah. a relationship and i don't ever say i ever want anyone to work for free but you know but for less than what they would normally get paid yeah or you know there's you know, I used to shoot short films a lot and little small ones. And I would just ask him like, Hey, we're going to shoot this thing. We clearly don't have any money because there's no money behind this project. Do you want to do this with us? And yeah. I, and I am fully a supporter of pay creatives because creatives get deserve to be paid. Don't ask creatives to work for free. I don't like building treatments for free. I don't like doing any work for free. Yeah. I don't think any creative should work for free, but there's a difference when you're asking a friend to work with you to yeah. do something with, with you. Right. Like, mm-hmm. It's no different than, you know, if you need a friend to move. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the same idea, right? Yeah. And if they're a friend and you're going to get a good relationship with them, there's no reason that they wouldn't do it. If you're going to take care of them, you're going to buy them lunch. And you know, they, the hope is that they'll repay it later. Like Derek taught me that a long time ago where, you know, we would get, um, we would go out to colorists and people mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, we, we want you to color this project. We believe in you. We want you to do it because, but we want you to color this project with this director you've never heard of because he's, and this is his first project and we want you to do your rate at like a third of what you normally would mm-hmm. be paid, but he's going to come back to you. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, but of course it's like you roll the, you run the, the you gamble where, uh, if someone gets a better job, they're going to take it. Yeah. But at the same time, like I, people will do favors for you if you do favors for them. And, yeah. um, you know, I wouldn't ever say that anyone definitely would do that, but, mm. um, no, I hear you. And I, I definitely need to pull some of those favors cause I've been, I've been busting my ass on some of these videos for a few years and these guys, some of these people <laughs> need to <laughs> come back and help me out. Um, but yeah, but I mean, that's absolutely true. like, I mean, yeah. you know, it's like we, if you came to us and you're like, I want to shoot a project. I've got two cameras. I own a lens. I got lighting. Oh like, yeah. You could always use it. Oh, thank but you, I, DJ. And that's me as you, but not yeah. to all you yeah, people no, no, on, no, this, no. on this podcast. You got to put in a few years here, yeah. tough. Before but you just, you know, but I would do. I would have done that two weeks into you doing. No, it, I get right? you. But like the no, and honestly, that crossed my mind too when yeah. I was thinking. Okay, my camera's not going to hold up to this shoot, but I also wanted, and I and I was going to hit you up, and I was like, no, I'd rather have someone that knows what they're doing with that camera than it, yeah. It's best to get a DP. Yeah. And I will tell you, it's best to get a DP who owns his own gear. Yeah. And you know, we, we were, you were asking about gear before in general, like, I mean, I had my own gear, but I almost always hired a DP to shoot with it. Oh, like gotcha. I almost, even on the smallest stuff, like I would get, you just didn't, you wanted some, you wanted to focus on like other things and just can't, I wanted to stuff. like direct. Right? Gotcha. So I, in or like, I just didn't feel comfortable being the best at the camera. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to yeah. be that person. So, um, 
I definitely can shoot. I just choose not to. So the thing to think about also is like, if you invest in yourself, it goes a long way. Yeah. Like I invested in camera gear a long time ago and I never wanted to be a shooter, but it gave me an opportunity to have stuff to be able to shoot mm-hmm. with, have it someone who's better than me shoot with. Then, you know, later I bought a red and I never was really a person who shot that camera. Mm-hmm. I could shoot it if yeah, I needed to. Yeah, I definitely exactly. could operate it. I could, I knew how to handle it, but I would always have a DP use my camera. Right. So then I don't have to rent a camera. I own the camera. It's like, it's like renting or owning a Lamborghini and no, you can drive it down the street, but you know, the race car driver really yeah. knows how to drive it and you want to be in the passenger That's seat. That's a great analogy. Thank, yeah. thank you. Appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I would never tell anyone to go, go buy a red, go buy an Alexa. Like, yeah. unless you're going to make that your life. No, that next but, step is not, yeah, I'm not no, making but, that next step. But, but I also want to have like a nice camera for my own personal stuff. I like, sure. like doing videos and photos of my own family because yeah. they, they know I can do a good job. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think if you're going to have for anyone out there, like work with the people that, you know, yeah. see who's willing to do stuff with you, see who would be willing to give you a favor. If you have the right project, that's going to be, you know, that you think is a good project for you. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say offer that favor up for some Joe Schmo band that isn't you know, maybe going to go anywhere. Yeah. But, and I say that, you know, nicely, Yeah. but, but but like, you know, when I did that back in the day with a lot of bands that I was friends with and stuff, like, I mean, these were bands that were touring and Mm -hmm. these are bands that are doing stuff and the music was decent enough. And, um, you know, I did a video for, you know, one of the first videos I directed was for, um, the bass player of that band, the halo friendlies that we talked about before. That was the first band I ever was on a video for. Mm -hmm. They, um, the, she did a solo project and I offered my services to her and I shot a video for her for like, I think free. Mm. And, um, you know, I got some favors yeah. along the way cause people wanted to help me out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was good. And that video got me more work. And, um, I did that a couple of times with a couple other artists. Yeah. That's the problem right now is all of my friends that were in bands are not in bands anymore. Well, one thing COVID hit and so no one's touring or doing yeah. anything, but you know, none of them were really that successful. I have a few friends like, uh, you know, Alex Lopez, he's in mating ritual, which I want to do a video for. I need to hit them up. Um, but yeah, a lot of them are just are married and have kids and they're, you know, working in offices now. So I have, it sucks that I've lost these relationships. So I got to figure out a new way to, and it's just probably just reaching out on Instagram, just sending people blank messages or not blank messages, you know, but even just like, Hey, I'm a director. If you want to work with me, hit me up. And is that, is that it basically? That, that's it. That's it. You did it. Um, Let's see. I had two more things. First thing, I know you went to film school. I am not a film school guy. I went to audio school. But being out of it, someone that's, you know, 18, 19, thinking about wanting to go to film school, do you think that's a good idea? Or do you think it's just a good idea to just go right into PAing and interning and just throwing yourself into it? So the reason that Derek Dale and I um, vibed out really quickly a very mm-hmm. long time ago is he used to work with a director and I'm not going to name his name. We usually refer to him as unmentionable. Okay. Um, unmentionable was a director that I liked. Mm-hmm. Unmentionable had a website and he had this big post on his website about why film school was a waste of time because mm-hmm. he didn't go to film school. Mm-hmm. And I messaged him. I was like, Hey, you know, I, and this is back when like, you know, I could just message this person on his <laughs> right. website. I mean, I guess you can still do that. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, I, you know, I saw your blog post or whatever about how, mm. um, you don't like film school. I'm like, I'm in film school. Uh, I chose to do this because this was my Avenue. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I mean, I, I was like, I respected you as a director and I'm like really kind of bummed out that you said, you, this, you yeah. said all this because for me, it's like, you're not, 
you're not answering any of my questions. Like I'm not some trust fund kid going mm. to film school because my parents had a bunch of money and sent me to film school yeah. to try and be an artist. Like I worked hard and earned my way into a film program yeah. that I really wanted to be in mm-hmm. and struggled to get to that place. And I got in and here I am. And like an established film school place. Like yeah. Chapman's one of the yeah, few and so, great ones out there. And so you go, okay, well, so I did all that work and got in. And then I'm, this director, who is one of the directors on all these VHS tapes that I listened to, mm. has this big shitty thing about film school. Yeah. And so then Derek Dale, I told Derek about that, and he was like, "Oh, that guy, unmentionable." <laughs> and and so to come back around, mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be the person that someone thinks of like that. Like I don't ever want someone to think of something that I said, mm-hmm. like how I thought that how he said. But I will say this. I think film school can be great, depending on how you use it, how what tools you put into place while you're there, how you network while you're there. I wasn't a networker in, mm. in film school. I'm still friends with some people that I went to film school with, but yeah. I wasn't a big networker there. One of our directors at Tuff, I went to film school with, and mm-hmm. I've had a couple directors over the years. I've had a lot of Chapman University directors. Asking, have you have they reached out, or you've reached out to try to bring in people graduating? And not stuff from and, no, 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 uh, not specifically from the school, but okay. I've had opportunities yeah. to work with other Chapman people, and and so I think if you if you play the game right and you use the school and you use the place to build yourself up and use it as an opportunity to build a reel and go into it knowing what you want to do later and use film school as an opportunity to work towards whatever that goal is. Gotcha. Because, you know, a lot of people go into film school like, I want to be a director. Mm-hmm. But then they leave film school and they never direct. Or so sometimes like, halfway they go, oh, no, I want to be a DP. Well, that too. Yeah. It, they figure it out. They yeah. figure it out, which, yeah. is, which is totally, which, which, which yeah. is different. But like, let's say you are a director you. and you want to be a director and you, you want to move into the world of being a director. Well, put your energy into focusing on what type of director you want to be and use film school as an opportunity to work towards that. So if you want to be a music video director, then you use the gear that that film school has and you make music videos with bands that are local to that area. Or maybe for your thesis film, shoot a music video. You know, like whatever the school lets you do. But work towards whatever whatever your goal is. If you want to be a commercial director, then use film school to shoot spec commercials. Use the equipment, use the people, use the tools to do that. Yeah. So that you're leaving with what you where you want to go, you've done that while you're in school. Right. Okay. So that I've being said, said. That. <laughs> that being said, I think that everything that I learned in in practical use, I learned outside of film school. Yeah. Film school was a great place for me to go and I needed to go there. I, I, I felt like I needed to go there and I went mm-hmm. and I and I enjoyed my time and I'm glad I went. But ultimately, had I met Derek, who ended up being my catalyst to my entire career, mm-hmm. had I met him earlier, I would never have needed film school. Yeah. Had I come in when I was the summer between high school and freshman year and interned at a production company, I would have probably never needed to go to film school. Yeah. But you are given an opportunity at film school to shoot stuff, make stuff, critique stuff, collaborate with friends, make projects for nothing. We're on know. the same level as you. From, yeah. yeah, but it's like you get you get free help. Yeah. You know, like That's you true. get free yeah. you get free help because mm-hmm. you're all students together. Yeah. You work on one person's thing while they work on somebody else's thing and vice versa and vice versa. Right. So I, I think if you go into it knowing that you're using it for that, it's a fucking awesome place right. for you to go. Yeah. 
great opportunity and a great opportunity to meet friends too, right? Like, the yeah. great, you know, people are still friends with the people they went to school with. I'm still friends with the people I went to school with. So, but I, I, I think from like, if you really want to be a filmmaker and maybe you want to just work on sets and you, you, yeah. you don't necessarily need to go to film school to be, you know, you know, in certain positions. I, on, I, I on totally set. hear it. Cause like I said, I went to audio school um, and I thought I wanted to be an engineer and I thought I could be a rock star at the same time and record my own bands. And I came out of that experience looking at my other friends that were doing it that just went and got an internship at a studio and they were way beyond what I had just gone through well four years but it was a two year thing but I spread it out four years and so after I was done with music and I was like alright I'm done with that I want to get into film I, I, I made a decision like I'm not going to school. I, I realized that going to school, I learned a lot, just like you said. Like I got to play and hang out with these all these amazing uh, microphones and boards that I had never, I would never be able to touch anywhere else. And on the same people, you know, same levels. I met a lot of people that I'm still friends with today too. But when I went into film, I was like, I just need to just dive right in. I, I and I also think it's different if you have a production like experience already. If you're coming out of high school, just being in drama going to get eaten up on a film set i feel like especially like a big one but because i knew kind of how the flow of production works look at look at um you know all the people that was in this i don't know this person um but look at like daniel feldman yeah daniel feldman called me and we had well we had lunch and like we hung out a few times and we had uh, known each other through grants and um i'm gonna have him on the podcast soon yeah Yeah. and i he's got a great background yeah like a lot of different cool stuff kind of i mean he's a different background than i do but similar paths you yeah. know we've done a bunch of different stuff and he wanted to get into film and look at him he's like he's been working on sets non-stop he his first shoot that he ever worked on was one of mine it was only a year and a half ago it was a fever right fever, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 first one he ever worked on and then you know he just is already he's like producing a short film which I'm, gonna, up I'm hopefully going to be working on he's produced a couple short films at this yeah. point so my, my point is it's like he had no background in it and he just went and dove right in and just did it and but it's like hard a, for an 18 year old coming out of high school yeah. to just dive right in. Yeah. You need to get an internship. You need to work. You need to find an internship in the avenue where you want to work. Right. Like, let's say you want to work in commercials and music videos, and you need to get an internship at a commercial music video production right. company. You don't get an internship at a studio. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think I think film school is a great opportunity to, to grow and figure out who you are. And you may not even know, like, the biggest thing for any director is figuring out your voice and knowing what, what your voice is. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what my voice was for years. I, I mean, I had no idea. I saw stuff I thought that I, was cool. I'm still trying to find it. And I tried yeah. to figure out. And I've, I've finally gotten to a place where, like, I know for some in some way what my voice is. I know yeah. what kind of projects I make. It's I hard know, to describe, but you know. I know what inside. it is. Yeah. I know I know the kind of shots I pick. I know, you know, generally speaking, like who I am as a mm-hmm. filmmaker. I thought I was a slap, I thought I wanted to do like slapstick comedy. No. Realize I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Like I like dramatic things. I like, if it's comedic, it's gotta be dramatic to some degree. Mm-hmm. And like, um, and, and you just, sometimes just experience, yeah. experience and figuring it out. I mean, I'm, failing, al- failing. I'm almost 40 and you know, I, it, I think I only really figured out what my voice was as a filmmaker like six, seven years ago. And yeah. even then it's like, I was still figuring out some aspects of it. Yeah. But like I, I personally, like if you look at my older work, anything before 2011 and you look at anything after 2011, you're like, Oh, there's a huge shift in what I can, I can stylistically like what this guy's done. Yeah. So like all my old stuff's like fucking. I mean, it's garbage because it's all pretty. No, but I've I've seen it being on your sets. Like I've I've seen it progress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's about it. Cool, um, man. What's, give me some plugs. Do you want a toughcontender.com? Uh, oh, so plugs. Yeah, what do you got? Um, well, I used to have two plugs. They're in my ears. I took them out about <laughs> 10 got, years ago. Do you got butt holes now on I your do. ears? I do. At least yeah, one of I'm them. I'm glad I didn't do that. I got a stupid hole in my lip. I got a couple holes in my lip. There you go. Um, <laughs> so plugs. Uh, Tough Contender, obviously. Mm. Um, that is the company that we are at right now. Um, I've... I've enjoyed being at this company. Um, if you ever want to have me to do an oral history of Tough Contender and the work that we do um, in a more detailed way, I'd be happy to do it. I'd love to have you back on. Um, I could I probably, I gave you just the overview of my life. I didn't really give you the overview of like how we actually did it and what work we've done and how we got through some of these bigger projects. Love to hear that. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I, I think I think Tough Contender is really the only thing I have to plug here. I mean, DJBronner.com. DJ you got all yeah, your videos up there. I do, but not I all mean, of them, but more more the actually, recent ones. I actually just um, started reworking my site and adding more stuff. So looks good. Um, it's it's okay. It'll get better. But ultimately, um, you know, Tough Contender is really where I want people to go, and, and you know, that's the company, and that's what we do, and that's where I spend all my time. Otherwise, uh, you know, there's a lot of good shows out there. Um, our good friend uh, Alex Lopez just released a new record. Um, Mating they, Ritual. Mating yeah. Ritual. It's called The Bungalow. I want to get and they have a great there. song that says, Nothing Good um, Ever Happens East of the 101, which is <laughs> totally, I mean, Nothing Good Ever Happens West of the 101, which oh, is west. totally true. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. Uh, nice. I guess that's it. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on again. We'll have you back on. Um, you can check us out at sososcrutiny.com and the Sososcrutiny podcast at Instagram and Facebook. Um, thanks again. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. All right. See you guys later. Thanks, Robert. See ya.